Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. Well, first of all, I do want to say, wow, it's two-thirds of the way through the season. Two-thirds. Two-thirds. There's, I mean, you know, championship games, bowl games, whatever else, but there's, depending on which team we're talking about, somewhere between three and four regular season games left. We're, we're two thirds away through the season, Jim. Yep, it goes by very fast. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it goes by very fast. And then it ends, yeah. and then we're left talking about stuff that happened for five months straight, arguing with each other about what really happened. No. <laughs> yes, that is exactly what happens after that. Uh, so some big things have happened already. Uh, the, the the Jarrett Stidham era has begun in earnest in uh, in Waco, and it has looked essentially as I had expected. They pulled the reins in a little bit. I mean, for Baylor, I mean it's still it doesn't look conservative. I suppose to I mean Woody Hayes would consider it conservative, but uh, by Baylor standards, it was a slightly more conservative approach, and they. They eked out a victory over a very game – Bill Snyder. I mean, it's going to be a very game Kansas State team. They're not going to show up and, you know, ask to be beaten. That's not how they do things in the Little Apple. Uh, they Kansas State played well, and but Jarrett Stidham played extremely well. And it's not quite an Ohio State scenario, but it will be interesting to see what happens next year with Stidham being, you know, at that point, just a a true sophomore and Seth Russell by that point being a, 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 a fifth-year senior? I'm trying to yeah, something like that. Year. I think it'll be a fifth-year senior. Uh, and Seth Russell's a special player. It's, I mean, it's it's fascinating uh, what how that will play out. What did you notice when you watched Jared Stidham play? Well, I mean, I saw similar arm talent, which was kind of a striking thing, um, which I thought was kind of interesting, was they didn't lose a step. So they seemed to know what they want at quarterback. <laughs> you know? Yes. Uh, they want and, guys who can really throw the deep ball, and they're good athletes. Yeah, exactly. So it was, it was interesting. Um, now... I still have questions with Russell and everything right. else just because of the intermediate routes that don't exist in the <laughs> land of Baylor's <laughs> offense. But exactly. uh, but right. I think it is good that, hey, you have a guy in, in Jared Sidman who in many ways was a little bit more efficient than Russell because the only thing about Russell's 
sometimes when it comes to the short passes, he's not always as efficient with those types of passes. So, Jared, I just saw a little bit more um, consistency there. But it was a little jarring, like, oh, you guys are a machine. Oh, excuse me. I didn't realize that's a situation where it's like, yeah, you know, we'll lose Bryce Petty. You know, we got Seth Russell. Who's Seth Russell? Ah, yeah, we got Jarrett. Yeah, it's no big deal. Yep. Right. He's chugging along. So, yeah. Yep. Well, that's the thing that kills me is uh, Colin Coward was, was – I should never listen to Colin Coward. I should know better. But he was talking about the eyeball test and how, you know, well, you got to put Alabama above the Big 12 school because, you know, the depth, the, the blah, 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 and the five-star athletes. It's like, dude, which Baylor, have you been, which Baylor have you been watching? What depth are you talking about? Like, your quarterbacks are Jacob Coker and Cooper Bateman. Those guys would not survive guys, the Baylor offense. They wouldn't be in the top five on the quarterback they couldn't crack the top five. They couldn't be the scout team quarterback at Baylor. They don't want to be ball well enough to be the scout team quarterback at Baylor. Baylor. Uh, yeah, I was... I, I don't always disagree with, with, with Colin Coward, but it strikes me just how much he is locked into a certain way of thinking about football, what I began to realize as I heard him speak, where he's just convinced that automatically Alabama automatically Alabama is more talented than Baylor because. because. Well, isn't, it o- isn't it obvious <laughs> Alabama is the one that's getting all the five-star recruits? So it's, it's, isn't it obvious who is the most perfect team in all of college football? <laughs> oh, fascinating. And and I don't hate their wide receivers. Actually, Parker and Ridley and the, the other kid, that's a nice little bunch, but they ain't Katie Candace. <laughs> what's been proven time and time again is this whole thing. Recruiting has become so international. Well, not, it's not really international. It's kind of international. It's become so intercontinental, so connected in terms of you got guys that are in Hawaii that are going to teams in Notre Dame and they're going to Pac-12. You got guys from Miami that are going to Ohio State and going to all these other places. Like, they're so – it's so global now and interconnected it is. now it is. that every team has its strengths and has its weaknesses. And just because one team has different strengths and weaknesses doesn't necessarily mean that that team's better than the other team. And that's what we have right now is we have a bias towards traditional pro-style football, which is kind of what it's always been, you know, smash mouth, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Baylor would never survive uh, with their little Pac-12, uh, Big 12 Big spread. What do you think with 12 yeah, <laughs> and then the Big 12 is like, well, Oklahoma kicked your ass, and uh, this other team kicked you. Like, you know, like, we've beaten you guys. Like, we can compete with you guys, so what? what's the big deal? So I, I think it's this whole notion, like, it's the good old days, right, where you did have significantly more advantageous recruiting 
aspect is a little gone uh, where five-star doesn't really mean what it used to mean in in a sense because even as if we had Don Ramazza right now, most five-star recruits, I mean, we've had shows. I've had been on Donovan's show where we went through five-star recruits and half of them were really good and the other half were, well, they're no longer playing football at any level of, of football. So, you know, so I think it's it's just that. It's just a bias towards a certain thing. And, you know, and he works for ESPN, though, right? No, he works for Fox Sports 1. Oh, okay. He was one of the big name ESPN acts because, well, they weren't making enough money. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, but as you can tell, I, I think it's, again, it's just a bias. It's a bias that's always going to exist, uh, especially against a certain brand of football. And I just think it's a little, you know, stupid to think that way. But, you know. And you don't always have to agree with analysts, Bill. You know, you really like an analyst and, and think, oh, you know, uh, you, you really like a philosopher and not like one aspect of what a philosopher is. You know, you can like one, you can really like one aspect of what he likes and then not like another. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Baylor, and even as you said, Steve, Baylor's been the most consistently dominant football team this year, and it's they, it's held up. Pretty much. On I mean, every the only, from recruiting to everything else. The only the only game that they weren't you know, that they didn't just wipe the opponent out was last was last night against Kansas State when they were starting a freshman quarterback for the first time. And even then they scored what, thirty one points? <laughs> and and they and they could have scored more. They seemed to have you know, I mean, I don't want to call them conservative. I mean, not by both team standards, but by Baylor standards. In the second half, they began to play Baylor conservative, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, partially maybe because Statham was a true freshman, partially because they thought they could run the ball and shorten the game. But uh, several things were obvious to me. Garrett Stadham can, you know, make any throw that you could ever want to have someone make on a football field. Uh, He's not super statesman, though. I, I second that. I second that. <laughs> yes, no Cooper <laughs> For Avery, it's a perfect temperature. She doesn't like it hot. Oh. But yeah, it is. Yeah, the the thing that sort of jumped out at me. Besides the fact that, you know, a lot of the sort of old tropes and whatever that people trot out about, you know, the Big 12, I mean, is it true that it's not, you know, the yards in a cloud of dust or astroturf or whatever? Yes, that part's true. There's no Arkansas or even an LSU to be found in the conference. But it's not true that no defense is played, and and. I watched a lot of SEC football, and I don't some of the worst quarterbacking you'll ever see, Bill. There is some terrible. There is some terrible quarterbacking to be found. That is incredibly true, uh, and that's part of why there's this perception that all this great defense is being played in the SEC because their quarterbacks aren't very good. I mean, how will we perceive the SEC differently if they had to play? 
Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech is in conference. If those teams are in the conference, will we think differently about those SEC defenses? Because they wouldn't just be giving up 16, 17 points a game if they were playing those teams. They'd give up more. As good as those defenses are, they wouldn't be shutting out Texas Tech. Um, let's see. So we've got Donovan, yes? Yes. How's it going? Excellent. Oh. Uh, so Donovan's state of the Pac-12. Now, obviously, there's a perception that the Pac-12 as a conference as a whole is down. Uh, one, is that a statement that you feel contains some truth? Two, why, if it is true? And then three, if it's not true, you know, Defend your conference, I guess, if it's not true. <laughs> um, down? Uh, no, I don't really think it's down. I think that everybody's just really good. Um, it's really close. Uh, there's no dominant team like LSU and Alabama, but, I mean, from top to bottom, um, from 1 to 12, it's a big conference, especially now that Colorado is showing life and, and you know, Washington mm-hmm. State is playing a lot better. I mean, they almost pulled off the upset last week. So um, I don't think you can have – yeah, they did. I don't think that uh, most conferences have their bottom teams like Kansas or Iowa State or the Big 12 or Vanderbilt or whoever um, competing every weekend uh, and week out um, with their opponents. So I don't think it's down. I don't think there's a dominant team. Um, obviously, Oregon's falling off a little bit. SC is playing good, but not the old SC. And Stanford's playing really good right now. But, yeah, it's, a, it's a still a good conference. I mean, some of the best prospects um, as far as the high school ranks are there and Going to the NFL, you know, I um, think they had the most players drafted in the first round or, um, last year, and a bunch of players drafted and they were second. So, I mean, I don't think it's a talent thing. Uh, the teams are young, too. A lot of young quarterbacks in this conference. Um, so, but you know, Travis Wilson, Cody Kessler, the older guys, but I mean, most of the guys are young, underclassmen, quarterbacks. And um, Washington, Oregon State are kind of, they're really young, really, really young teams, uh, two of the youngest teams in the nation on all the Power Five conferences. So I believe that uh, it's still a really good conference. I mean, it might be second or third, but, I mean, I'll take that (laughs) right now. Okay. And I think some of this has to do with the perception that only one team in the conference has even an outside chance of making the Final Four, which probably isn't how we should figure out how strong the conference is. Uh, If Stanford runs the table and the right things happen, you know, there's a thought process that, Stanford might get there, but there's no other team that can, you know, has a conceivable chance of getting there. And that's, I think, why some people feel that way. Now, it should be pointed out that, you know, a one-loss SEC school is undefeated, basically, you know, in, basically. in the minds of people. <laughs> I don't have a problem. Their schedules are a little bit harder. Um, and I'm a Pac-12 guy through and through, but the SEC is a better conference than the Pac-12. Um, Especially the West, though. I mean, Utah's only lost one game as well, so I think they still have a pretty good shot. I think they might get left out if they have that one also, but uh, I know Stanford has a good chance. If they do play Notre Dame, that's the difference. Uh, they play Notre Dame, who's number five in college football rankings right now. Uh, that's their last game of the season. So right. That, but, that means but here's everything. The question. Here's the question of Donovan. Uh, the Alabama lost the Ole Miss game that lost to a MAC team. So, hey, hey, hey. Wait, AAC. yeah, I don't. They played a MAC team, or was it AAC? 
Yeah, the AAC is uh, yeah. surprised, I guess, everybody on this year. Yeah, the, yeah that, those top four teams in the AAC are pretty doggone good. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, yeah. I mean, they're, they're like 29-2, and two, and their only two losses are to Notre Dame. <laughs> Notre Dame. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> like one, of those, one of those losses is not a loss that Notre Dame enjoyed. I mean, they were very happy to get out of Philadelphia. And, uh, I mean, that the Navy game was close for longer than they would have liked. <laughs> true, also true. Yeah. Also true, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, the, the thing about the Pac-12 is uh, the teams that are at the top uh, weren't ranked high in the preseason polls, and you got to take that into account as well. Stanford wasn't ranked uh, very high. Uh, Utah wasn't ranked at all. So, you know, you got to take the preseason polls into account. You might not like them, but it is what it is, you know. So you're coming from behind. Well, USC basically. was in the top 25, right? Oregon, USC were the teams to, to be, and they both play like trash in the beginning of the season. Oregon's not that great. Um, the quarterback plays them bad. The defense isn't good. Well, USC's obviously had the problem. <laughs> does that mean so, that the Pac-12? But does that mean the Pac-12 sucks now because Oregon and USC aren't? No, good? They, they don't suck. I mean, both those teams are playing. They play each other soon. They play each other next week, but they uh, they're both playing good. I mean, USC went toe to toe with Notre Dame as well, and you know they've won a couple games in a row. It'd be Utah and. Oregon looks a little bit better. Uh, we'll see how – I mean, it's a long season, man. I don't get caught up in too much of the height of all the conferences just because it's – we don't know yet, you know. And plus the conferences are – whatever, it doesn't matter. Sometimes it doesn't matter what your conference is. Um, you know, I watched Boise State beat up a lot of bad teams. and They were clearly one of the best teams. It's just from top to bottom, from from 1 to 80 or whatever, how many scholarship players they have. They just have one of the better rosters. Um, the Pac-12. Rosters, um, how many championship teams are on this? Not many. You know, I knew that I didn't think a Pac-12 team to make the college football playoff uh, at the beginning of the season because I figured that this would happen. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't think Oregon USC would be decent bad um, beginning of the season, but uh, or Arizona State even, but uh, or Arizona eat both of those. So Arizona, yeah, it's another team that was uh, a dark horse. Both Arizona schools, and they've kind of fallen off as well. So. Um, a lot I just of, think Arizona State with some people's sexy dark horse, you know. Just yeah. sneak into the final four, even which it, it yeah it was we we talked about that before I think a few weeks ago and they've you know disappointed a lot of people um a lot of people it's surprising that Arizona State had a lot of love outside of the West Coast a lot of people liked right. it nationally um to be good this year because they brought so many guys back and Todd Graham and Mike Ber- uh, Bergavici and they just haven't played good um at all um especially actually on on offense I know they've cut up a lot of points um. But they kind of struggle to put up points. It's not an easy thing. They they manufacture a lot of points through special teams. But uh, I think they're really, like top five at kick return yards and um, punt return yards. Um, and they get really big plays, but they can't hang um, as far as just making plays uh, every single time. Um, down the field, Berkovici's done a pretty good job, but, you know, he's not – I guess what the national media thought he was going to be. Uh, and, you know, they're just probably maybe a year away anyway, um, along with Arizona. So. I don't think the Pac-12 is bad or that far down. We'll see. I mean, it depends what Stanford, I guess, does. Um, you know, they kind of have it in their hands. If they went out, they'll be fine, especially if Utah is uh, the team they get to play in the Pac-12 championship um, with one loss or maybe two losses. They'll be fine, I think. I think they'll sneak their way in. And they have a, you know, they're nationally known now. And they have a Heisman candidate as well. They'll probably be in New York uh, as far as uh, Christian McCaffrey goes, so. And that Washington State win was big. That was a game that was a a lot of people picked the upset Wazoo, but uh, 
they held strong. If there if there aren't four unbeaten teams, uh, you know, then there chances are there probably won't be. The committee is going to want to put in a Pac-12 team. You can take that to mean whatever you think it means, but um, <laughs> we, we saw we saw that with Ohio State last year when they wanted to put in a Big Ten team. I mean, the committee is going to want to represent the Pac-12, the SEC, and the Big Ten because they're they have the biggest following. Uh, so you know, what? one is I, I mean, I and Notre Dame in Texas, and so. I think that holds true with, with every Pac-12 team except Stanford. I don't know if they would necessarily want to, but uh, Stanford fans don't travel well. They don't really even sell out their home games. Um, I mean, that's like the one team they probably don't want. To, I mean, if they beat Notre Dame, yeah, because they beat Notre Dame and it's finally in the season and people are going to want to watch that. But, yeah, I, I, I mean, watch, well, Stanford's kind I, of not the sexy team you want to really put in. They, no one likes the quarterback. You know, um, David Shaw, <laughs> no one ever talks about him. Really, I mean, and people talk about him, but uh, well, I talk know, about him constantly. I think he's, he's not. Well, yeah, well, he's he not might be the best coach, coach in college football. Yeah, he might true. be, but I mean, he's not. You know, he's not talking about stakes and steroids and stuff at the press conference, so nobody likes him that much, I guess. So, I mean, no one talks <laughs> about him. Pac-12 Media Day. He was like, he didn't have that many people. A lot of other coaches had more. I mean, all of them leave and sorry, other coaches like that. So I noticed that Jim Moore Jr. They had more people out there at the presser. Than uh, Coach Shaw, even though he might be the best coach in the conference. Um, so I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if they necessarily want Stanford in. I think that's the team they would leave out, even though they won. But I mean, they might not be left out just because. I mean, topsy turvy might happen. Uh, if everybody has one loss, Stanford's resume looks good, especially with Northwestern still uh, in the top twenty-five. And they're twenty-one or twenty-two right now, so and they look pretty strong. Uh, they lost two games, but uh, they're still one of the better teams in that conference in the Big Ten. So. Uh, we'll see. I mean, Utah's the same. You know, that's not a school. They have a strong fan base, but, you know, they don't travel that well, to be honest, both of those teams. So, um, <laughs> we probably we wish it was Oregon or UCLA or USC or something like that, but, or even both Arizona schools pretty travel pretty so We'll see. I mean, it's a, it's a long process, so <laughs> I guess you can say for, for the Cardinals. Yeah, they don't travel well because they're, you know, trying to study for their midterms and, uh, you know, finals and stuff like that. So, yeah, no time to travel. Hmm. The question people often ask about the SEC is, is there a way that two SEC schools can make it? Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but you can never fully rule it out. Yes, that. If the Big Ten stumbles, like, you know, Ohio State picks up an unexpected loss, Michigan State picks up a loss, you know, they drop a a game they shouldn't to somebody. And so there's no one-loss Big Ten school. Stanford picks up another loss, so they're a two-loss team. Then they're, then they're just going to take Notre Dame. Right. <laughs> They'll pick Notre Dame, but Notre Dame could lose to USC. Notre Dame's right. going to USC. I'm not and saying that they – I'm not saying they won't, but, I mean, didn't I just see Notre Dame barely eke out a victory against Temple? 
Yeah, but what I'm saying is they've already beaten USC. So oh, that's right, they've USC. Right, 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 right. It's Stanford. Stanford. Sorry, Stanford. It's Stanford. Stanford, I was thinking. Sorry, St- right, right. If Stanford takes, you know, if Stanford were to lose to them, they would be out. That would put them as a two-off team. The, the Power Five in Notre Dame didn't set this up so that their, their conference champion would be sitting on the sideline if it had the same record as another team in another conference that didn't win its championship. The, it is, is it possible? Yes, it is possible. Um, but what they would have to happen is basically what would have to happen for Notre Dame, I mean, for two SEC teams to make it. And even that, is, as I think about it, it's almost impossible. Uh, Alabama would have to beat LSU. Alabama beats LSU. Alabama and then, you know, run the table from that point forward, right? And runs the table from that point forward or loses to Florida. And Florida runs the table. So that Florida right, ends right. up as the SEC champion. So that LSU right. is a one-loss team. So right. Because, you know, LSU and Alabama, I mean, if LSU's unbeaten, Alabama can't, you know, they can't be a one-loss team. And if... Uh, Florida, if LSU's unbeaten, Florida can't be on one loss team. So what right. was LSU would have to either lose to Florida or to Alabama. Right. Uh, you would have – Ohio State would have to eat two losses or Michigan State because they're not going to take two teams in the SEC if there's an option in the, in the, big, in the big Ten. And TCU and Baylor would both have to lose twice. Probably no, maybe once or anything, but I still don't think they'll take a second SEC team if there's a team in the Big Twelve that is right. the Big Twelve champion. And right. if Oklahoma State ends up with one loss, <laughs> you know, even with the scenario you talk about, somehow TCU and Baylor, you know, <laughs> have two losses. But if Oklahoma State just has one loss, as much as I, don't, I think they aren't thrilled about Oklahoma State, I think they would take them with one <laughs> loss. Yeah, I, I, I honestly think this was set up so that the best of these six teams, the SEC champion, the ACC champion, the Big 12 champion, the Big 10 champion, the Pac-10, the Pac-12 champion, and Notre Dame, the four best of those teams will always end up in the playoffs of the, of the six, out of that group of six. And unless there is a weird year where one of those conferences are eating each other alive, and that's happened to a couple of them. Say Notre Dame is way down, and they're losing games. And you have a year like you're having in the Pac-12 where a lot of teams are getting cannibalized. Because there's no great team, there's no terrible team. Uh, that's, the, that's the one thing about when the SEC sometimes ends up with a couple of teams that you think maybe, because the SEC is strong at the top, and weak at the bottom. So, mm-hmm. so they can you there is a way that you could have a couple of two or three teams that maneuver the SEC schedule with one loss. Uh, I mean, you, you're you're talking about Tennessee's average, Kentucky stinks, Vanderbilt stinks, uh, Mississippi State. Yeah, they're not going to be anybody probably any good. Uh, Georgia, I mean, down Tennessee, and I mean, and that's kind of what happens if you're really Auburn. 
I mean, so when, what happens is is a couple of teams like LSU and Alabama and Florida, which, I mean, Jim McElwain might should be coach of the year, but yep, for having Florida, you know, in this position, because I still don't understand how a team with Trayon Harris quarterbacking <laughs> three or four games has only one loss. <laughs> and uh, that loss is it. Yeah. And that loss was a pretty close loss to LSU. <laughs> right. Uh, that, but, I mean, it's funny that with what you just said, there's still this perception that the SEC is this, you know, gauntlet, this crucible, this, oh, my God, how do how we make it through? And you just point out there's only like four good teams. <laughs> South Carolina's having one of its worst years in, in recent history. They're Mississippi State's average. <laughs> right. Mississippi State's average. Vanderbilt is Vanderbilt. Uh, Tennessee is a year or two away from being a real threat. Georgia's having a struggle. Kentucky is in a similar boat to Tennessee. Still flirting with bowl eligibility. Right. Huh. I mean, it's funny. I mean, the more I think Arkansas, woo, right? They were supposed to, that was, that was my dark horse that I thought might, you know, I thought it might be oh, Auburn. Uh, I thought it might be Auburn, Arkansas, fighting it out. I mean, and, and Texas A&M is really talented, but any team that wants any team that just decides to muscle up on them, I mean, until the until they don't wilt, I mean, <laughs> right? You, you, I mean, there's going to be that perception of them that they're soft. I mean, right. you know, right. essentially Arkansas, which. Beat Tennessee and really is spent the rest of the year getting beaten by a lot of teams. Uh, muscled up on Texas A and M and darn near beat them. I mean, and then Alabama just, I mean, hard stomped them. So, well, yeah. <laughs> so it, it, despite all of the sort of shaking and fear and trembling around the SEC, that's a conference with four really good teams, possibly even, you know, one great one somewhere in there, before really, really good teams, a couple of Midland teams, and then a lot of bad teams, actually, despite when you sort of look But we used to be good. (laughs) Sure, I get that. That's cool and everything. Are we giving points for used to be? Because USC used to be. Pretty much. So so if we're giving points for that. Oh. Yeah. It's like it's like the '80s action star in the '90s. You know, you have to give them their due. I mean, they're not as good as they used to be in the '80s, but so, still pretty so good. You're, you're trying to sell me on Rucker Howard? Is that what you're trying to do? Um, you know, kind of, sort of. You're trying to sell me on on Jan Michael Vincent? Yeah. Well, you know. Sylvester Stallone, you know, he's still, he hit movies. You know, Sylvester Stallone, there you go. Well. He did uh, uh, Judge Dredd, right? And uh, oh. Rocky oh. Four, I think. <laughs> Rocky Ocho. Where he fought oh. a guy in the street. I mean, he's going to play Rocky again in 2015. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he's, he's training someone, at least, in this one, as opposed to stepping into the ring. Um, it's the Big Ten's turn, so that means that there ain't no party like a Bonta Hardy party. Doesn't Bonta Hardy party don't? 
Ladies and gentlemen, the nice one of the world, the second hardest working man in all of Chicago sports media, is the one, the only Mr. Montel Hardy. Hey guys, how's it going? Good to be with you all tonight, you know. Um, hey, I was listening to some of this SEC talk, and, you know, man, um, you know, I, I like Mississippi State, though. You know, I'm going to say that. Um, but I, I like them, uh, too, but, I mean, would they beat Memphis this year? Would they beat Temple this year? No, I think, yeah, I was about to say that they don't have the same front. Is it, their front seven was a little better last year. Um, back four maybe a little bit as well. But, yeah, I, I think huh, I don't hold – I don't yet hold Memphis' defense in very high regard. I wouldn't be shocked if they beat them. I would say that. But, no, I wouldn't feel comfortable betting, like, a paycheck on that game. Absolutely not. I'll say something else, too. One of the unwritten stories, because they're not, you know, they're, they're not unbeaten at this point like they were last year, is it's really not being, you know, written about. Maybe that's an idea for an article for me, right, is how much better Dak Prescott has been this year as Over a past any other year, as yeah. any other year of his career, and he is really, really good. Dakota Prescott, yeah. he is a draftable quarterback. I wouldn't pick him, you know, in the first four or five rounds, but he's a draftable quarterback. He's a draftable exactly. quarterback. We have to pick him in the third, round two, round three. Come on, guys, he's draftable. I mean, it might happen. I don't know, but the, I, I was telling Dave, was it like last week? It was, it was last week. I was looking through his tape, and I was mad impressed. I saw some velocity down the field. I saw him yep. going through his progressions. I mean, those are things he didn't do well, and then he was maneuvering the pocket a little bit, and his release seemed yep. to get a little quicker. He's been working with someone, and, and it looks better. Um, I mean, I will yeah. say this. The Dak Prescott that I, that I saw the two or three times I've seen, Mississippi State is better yep. than Brett Hundley has ever been in his life. <laughs> I can't argue with that, and, and it shows his numbers because he's been he's been just so efficient this year that it's phenomenal. I think he's only thrown one interception all season. So, um, yeah, I, I, it, it shows it shows in the numbers. And like I said, I was not really going to prioritize his tape. You know. Um, I was kind of just delaying it and delaying it, but once I saw it, I was like, wow, you know, I'm glad I didn't miss out on this. But, yeah. Quick, you, rank, you, him, you, rank, him, rank him quick. Rank him amongst SEC quarterbacks. Montel, where is he? He's one. <laughs> there we go. He might be one. I mean, at first glance, let me, let me go through the list here. I, I don't hold Cole, uh, you know, who is supposed to be the, the guy is not the guy. Josh Dobbs. Okay, yeah, Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs can't complete a pass over six yards. No, no. And I, I get a lot of people really like him, and I don't – I mean, maybe he's one of those kids who, you know, maybe he's, he's a bright kid. He's, he's, the he's door. very yeah. – he's, he's great around people. He's bright. He's, you know, really? Well – He's very well, very well, well learned. Academic, uh, <laughs> academic all American type of guy. Yeah, he's extremely right. Oh, that's really natural people, though. Yeah, and people talk about golf tools and then like Josh Dobbs, and I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not with it either. I, you know, I was expecting Matty Mont to kind of like make, uh, you know, a stride here. I don't know where he's sitting <laughs> now. <laughs> 
I think he made some shots, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I was expecting yeah, yeah, Fox to show up this year. He better yeah. make some strides to he better make some strides to Murray State. That's where he better yeah. make some strides. <laughs> that uh, yeah, and but when you look at it, I mean, this is remarkable, Bill. You've got what Jager Coker, and then at Arkansas, you've got I can't remember their quarterback's name right now, but Brandon, Brandon Allen. Allen. <laughs> yeah, people love this guy in that system. You know, with those running backs, I don't think his production's been phenomenal to this point. And then you get a look at, you know, well, once again, we, we saw what was supposed to happen, right? We were supposed to be talking about, uh, what, Jeremy Johnson, right? And that didn't work out. Um, it really didn't work out. And then you got whatever's going on in Georgia. They don't start Lambert. Welcome to, Mc, welcome to McNeese State, Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, like, no, we're, we're yeah. yeah. And then I was, I was looking, I was thinking, well, maybe Will Greer can be, you know, someone to watch. And then he got, you know, into whatever trouble he did. Now I have to watch Treyon Harris, which is so, you know, it's just ugly quarterbacking. I'm good. Um, Ole Miss, Chad Kelly is awful. He's awful. He's, he's terrible. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to, you know, blame him for anything that's not going right in that offense in terms of Laquan Treadwell, but he's just bad. And, and like I said, anytime Bo Wallace was like a legend compared to you, dude, it's over. Um, South Carolina, I don't think they played either of their quarterbacks more than three consecutive games. And um, I kind of like Kyle Allen and Kyler Murray, what they got going on over there. I think that's that's something. But um, it, you know, on you know, just accomplishments and experience and just how they're playing right now, I, I got to get to Prescott. So at first glance, I said Prescott, Bill. But even after I go through and look, it's it's yep. still Pest, it's still Prescott. But I would say. Maybe Patrick Toles. I, I've been told. I think it was Donovan. Donovan, you told me Patrick Toles is pretty good, right? So um, uh, I thought he was. Yeah. I don't tell you. He didn't look. I haven't like, seen him. I haven't seen him. I said yeah, I would. He, he hasn't played that good this year, man. I mean, I. No. I'm, I've been disappointed. He's shown flashes of, of like greatness, but he's usually just not good, to be honest. Um, he's he got flash, it in him. Flashes of goodness, he <laughs> mean. When Tennessee played Kentucky, it was like there were two running backs playing quarterback. Both teams were running the Wildcat. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Montel. Dak's definitely the best. Uh, I mean, Kyler is the most exciting. He can do anything he wants with that four three speed. But I mean, Dak is is the guy for sure. I mean, Kyler's only played a couple games, so we don't have really much of a sample size. Yeah. Or we have a small sample size. Pocket pocket Vic. Yeah. Um, well, Montel, mm-hmm. the Big Ten is essentially the Big Two and the little everybody else. Is it, though? Is it? Well, I was going to ask you. That's, I'm talking perception. Oh, ah. Ah, okay. The perception, well, it, in the old days, it was Ohio State and Michigan. And then Michigan fell mm-hmm. off and became Ohio State and Michigan State. Good thing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then, One, you know. Is there anyone else who can threaten the big two? And then secondarily, who do you think is the team that ends up representing the conference in, you know, in the in the actual tournament itself? Uh, sure. Uh, well, first off, you know, we talk about it with Ohio State, and they've been really sloppy, and, you know, I, I get it. But they've still been winning, um, and they can find a way – Really, I'm not I'm not as concerned about Minnesota as I think 
people are, and I get it because they've got two excellent uh, defensive backs on that team, and they also, uh, you know, they're playing wounded. They're playing for Jerry Kill. Um, so you you might see a rise out of them, but I, I'm really got I, I got the, the the number seven, you know, uh, Michigan State Spartans when they when they go to the shoot and play Ohio State, and then maybe when they go to the big house and play Michigan, if the Wolverines are still you know playing at the same level. Those will be the two games to watch. Otherwise, I think Ohio State's going to run the table, and it's, it's, it really shouldn't be very close. Um, but, you know, when you look at the rest of the conference, I think there are some people that aren't really getting the, the uh, I guess, the credit they deserve. Um, even in, within uh, Ohio State's uh, own division, I think Michigan State has been – they played very well for a team um, that, you know, they, they're a senior-led team. Uh, they played extremely close contests with opponents that you'd imagine they – you know, blow out of the water, but they still won. Uh, I get why they're ranked where they are, but if you look at the schedule, I mean, the wins are there. You know, they have a chance to play Ohio State and beat Ohio State. Uh, they have a chance to uh, knock over uh, Penn State, which is actually playing pretty well, um, well enough to give you a little bit of a boost. Um, but what's not deniable is if you look at the Big Ten West, Iowa's been playing extremely well. They are undefeated right now, very quietly. Yes. Very quietly. So quietly that no one believes it. <laughs> yeah, no, no one wants to believe it. No one wants to talk about it because you know it's it's Iowa, right? You know, you're just kind of waiting for that that eight and five, that five to show up in the loss column, that four to show up. But no, they've been outstanding this year. They've had a defensive unit led by you know Drew Ad, and you know it, it's just it's just hilarious because you know when I think about. Uh, you know, when I was at Media Days and what people were thinking about, you know, I think I told you guys afterwards, you know, um, when when the coach came up and, you know, they were, you know, it was time to ask the questions, no one really had a single question for, for him. You know, when it came down to it, everyone kind of knew what he was going to say. Uh, everyone knows how he's going to lead this team, what he's got planned, where this is going. Uh, the media was generally bored with this guy, but – you know, looking at the way they've gotten off to this way they start now, that room should have been buzzing with questions, you know? So, uh, so Mark, this is a nightmare scenario if they end up undefeated? It's not even a nightmare scenario. It's the most likely scenario. It, it, it is. I would, it, I, I wouldn't, I would bet money that they run the table because they have the Hoosiers who are bad. By the way, um, I, I mean, for their sake, I'm hoping Southfield can go because. I was looking at well, I was looking at some Jason Spriggs tape, and I saw Tyler Diamond, and he is god awful when he's trying to throw the football. Um, but yeah, I think he's, though, like, he's like freshman year Dak Prescott. Yeah, except Ward, obviously less powerful, but yeah, but basically, right. and, and and even freshman year, I think Dak got to split. You know, he got to split his you know playing time with someone, so that way, you know, Tyler Ruffles Ruffles has one passer. He was, you know. he, was he, he came in in the short yardage. Jumped into the pile plays for Tyler Russell. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So you know they go to Indiana this weekend, then they play Minnesota, then they've got Purdue and Nebraska. Bingo. You know, like I don't, I don't see a scenario where they lose to any of those teams. Uh, this is a defense that's played outstanding the entire year, and this is an offense that has been good enough. You know, I'm not blown away by any aspect of it, but they've been able to run the ball. Uh, you know, sustain you know injuries and. This is a team that'll be in the title game, no doubt, and I'd much rather see them than Wisconsin anyway. So, so I know no one believes this can happen, but if Iowa wins the championship of the conference, now what? Well, uh, 
they'll, they'll pat them on the back. They'll say this is an awesome year for the Hawkeyes, and they'll say have fun watching the Final Four from home because <laughs> they won't be in the Final Four. I, I don't think they'll make it to the Final I don't think they'll do it. I want them to do it. But oh I, I, I don't think so they're going to get CCU'd is what you're saying. I'm thinking that's what's going to happen because, and to be fair, to be fair, when you look at their schedule, you know, I mean, if they beat Ohio State, then that's instantly the best one, you know, because it's Ohio State. But they're going to poke at the schedule. You know, there's Pittsburgh in there. There's Iowa State, North Texas. Um, you know, they played the Illini. That, by, you know, by default might not look like such a good win anyway. But um, that's what they're going to do. They're going to poke and prod the schedule. You only know, beat the Illini by nine. Only beat Wisconsin by four. And I think they're going to end up out of the championship game. I think it'll be a tragedy. Um, but I think they'll find a way to do it, especially. But I, tell, mm-hmm. I tell you right now, there is no way in this world, it, hell will freeze over first before Jim Delaney allows an undefeated Big Ten team to be kicked to the curb. <laughs> I, I, would, I would like to think so, but, I mean, if you look at it, because there's a scenario, if you look at it this way, LSU, LSU, if they went out, definitely is. Mm-hmm. One loss, LSU, LSU is most likely in. Ohio State was supposed to be in. Um, if they lose, then I think they're going to – I mean, based on the – especially the way they put out this first ranking, they want to push Notre Dame in there. They want to do it. So I'm just saying that if Notre Dame wins out, I don't think they'll take in consideration what Iowa accomplished here. I, I, I want to – I'm just gonna, Give, give uh, go, go down there and give Gary Patterson and uh, Art Riles a call, and they will tell you these rankings mean nothing. I, I hope they don't, because I was I was deeply disturbed when I saw these, and I mean I guess I shouldn't have been because it's so early in the game, but it's kind of like you know we wait until now for you guys to do this, and it's like well that's what you have for us, like you know like that's that's where we're at, but. You know, I I get it. Notre Dame's played well on their on their well, technically their third string, but their second string run, uh, quarterback and Kaiser, who's been phenomenal for them. I mean, and my my one another one of my issues is is why is Alabama four? I'm an SEC guy, but because they're Alabama, because they're Alabama, I mean, and, and it, I think it's, it's one of those. You want to talk about they, yeah, Notre Dame and Alabama? I mean. Notre Dame's one loss, their only loss is they lost to Clemson in Death Valley. Close. Yeah. Yeah. Alabama yeah. lost to Ole Miss at home. Yep. Exactly. And, 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 that's, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying is that's why I think Notre Dame is eventually going to take that spot, and you might be in kind of a gridlock situation there because you, then you've got mm-hmm. LSU who's got to be in, you've got Notre Dame who's probably in, and then you've got – you know, you got to deal with Clemson, and and then you know at four, I mean, is the Big Twelve going to get shunned again? To say if if Baylor was out, like it gets awkward. <laughs> Someone's going to be left holding. I am absolutely sure an undefeated Big Ten team does not get left out. <laughs> I, I won't. I, I'll be right, Martin. We'll, we'll 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 get to talk about this soon. I hope, and I hope they're wrong, and I really hope Alabama loses, so that way this is way more likely because of you know. If, because that, that's what's going to happen. This is all be, going to become a cluster if LSU loses. Watch it. Just, just watch. But I, I will tell you, there will be several bowl representatives that will be, if Ohio State and Iowa are playing the Big Ten title, both unbeaten, there will be a lot of bowl championship series, you know, bowl guys 
sitting there going, oh, my God, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, save, save up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's what it'll be. So they're going to hope that they do what they did last year, kind of blow Iowa out of the water like like they did Wisconsin. And that way, you know, you don't have to think about it. But, yeah, you know, it, it scares people. Because when it comes to the West, nobody, uh, I, you know, nobody's really looking forward to, you know, the, the Iowa Hawkeyes, you know, <laughs> taking the title, you know. Yeah, yeah, and this time last year, we all wondered if Kirk Ferentz is like, you know, if he's going to be kicked to the curb. Yeah. Anybody ever pull these seasons out, like, right, right when you think this is the year they're finally going to, you know, pull the plug on Kirk Ferentz, and Kirk Ferentz always seems, have this one year. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it, 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 it does. I think this is Kirk Ferentz's year, and, and like I said, when you look at the West, people love people love say Nebraska. Now, if this was, mm-hmm. if Nebraska was in Iowa's place and they won, I would say Nebraska would probably get in. But I would, I mean, I, I just hope, I hope they do the right thing. That's all I'm gonna say. I hope they do the right thing, guys. Interesting. Um, so, I think Nebraska. Is Mike Riley see hot in Nebraska? Uh, based on what I've heard, uh, yeah. Um, but but <laughs> to his credit, uh, I've been told that basically from the beginning, him and Armstrong haven't really been clicking. And the hope is that, you know, when he leaves, that maybe, you know, he'll get his guy and whoever his guy is out. I don't know what they're – who he likes, but the, the the thought process is this is one of those you know rough transition years and uh, next year. So so Riley should stay. If that's what you're thinking, though, Riley's not going to be fired this year. But uh, no, you know, big things will be expected from him next he's year. Got, he's got he's got his kid. He's got his kid coming in next year uh, from exactly. California. Um, yeah, Paul yeah, Bay, yeah. Exactly. Um, Patrick O'Brien from uh, from uh, Dana Dana Point. Uh, he's got him mm-hmm. coming in six six four two twenty five. Typical Mike Riley, big time, you know, big pocket, close top quarterback. I think he's going to start next year. Exactly. Um, and that's what we said. They said they wanted to – they said that he's going to get time to get whoever his guy is. And so, basically, um, they they kind of got like a lame duck situation for the current quarterback. And, you know, that's why it is what it is. But just like I said, guys, after media days, I knew, you know, I, I didn't want to, you know, curse him from the beginning. But it was kind of like – you know, I was talking to, you know, uh, Jordan uh, uh, Westerkamp, and I was asking, you know, like, what's the difference between this coach and Bo Pelini? He's like, well, Bo Pelini, you know, he yells and he gets angry and he throws things. And he's like, well, what happens when Mike Riley gets angry? Well, he sits you down he explains to you, you know, why you don't need to do it. I'm like, okay, well. You know, and, and I, it's just funny because I was saying, you know, like, Nebraska is a first-rate program. And I meant, like, they do deserve better than Bo Pelini because they deserve a guy who's uh, – I mean, they deserve someone who, who's a, a little bit more of a, a gentleman, I guess, you know. But you know what Opalini is? Opalini is a 9-3 coach, and, and, and it's it's just not it's not as easy, I think, as people think it would be to replace him. And I think that's what Nebraska's learning is that when you have Mike Riley, 9-3 and three might not be as easy as you thought. And, um, and, and then when I sat down with Tommy Armstrong, I was like, yeah, so, you know, explain to me your post of film. And it was like a 10-second conversation, dude. Tommy's like, yeah, dude, I, 
I watch it and, you know, it's filmed. I'm like, oh, okay, great. So what happens with awesome. this? And he's like, um, it, no, I, I swear to you guys. And then I'm like, well, you know, I mean, you're coming out of pro style, you know, there's some different, I'm sure he'll try to work in some spread contests, but tell me what he, you know, in pro, what are you going to do differently? He's like, well, I ran pro back in high school, and my goal is just kind of get my drives together, get my feet working. And I'm like, well, what about looking down the field? I mean, I'm pretty sure, you know, going through progressions would be different. He's like, well, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, Okay, <laughs> like he's gonna elaborate. I mean, I, I I thought I tried to just hope he was keeping his hand, you know, close to his chest, you know. But I think the truth is, from a from a you know study standpoint, I don't think he was ready to get back into pro style at the college level. And it, there's an obvious disconnect here. He's just not very accurate this year. He's he's been firing off his back foot. He's been a fish out of water. So, yeah, yeah. So, Jim, I guess by default, you uh, get to have the great honor of representing um, the group of five, uh, the MAC, uh, the Mountain West, the uh, AAC, and... Uh, Nobody cares about them. <laughs> Conference USA at Sunbelt. Well, I think in a normal year, you would be right, but... Nobody cares about them. What are you Memphis talking about? And Temple have to some extent, and to a slight lesser extent, Houston, though Houston might be the best of them all, uh, at least in terms of, of just roster. Okay, hold on a minute here, Bill. Hold on, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow, slow down here. Okay. Let me take a poll of you guys. How many of you guys think Memphis or Temple are going to go to the big four? Well, no, uh, I think Temple, I think Temple can't. I, 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 I abstain. I abstain. Memphis, I think Memphis can. Um, no, no, not the other ones. Only Memphis. Likely Memphis, scenario, Donovan. Likely. Memphis, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's too far. I don't. Uh, it's hard to, to predict these things. I don't know. Like, I mean, there's five games. Okay, Donovan. You want a scenario? I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. A scenario. Yeah, I mean, scenario they gotta have a lot. Okay, okay, okay. Don, uh, hold on a minute. Okay, Montel, you talking? Then I'll get done. No, I was just saying. There's a scenario where Memphis can do it because I know you want to like you know their schedule and all that hot. But they beat Ole Miss, right? Who who Bama lost to, you know? But I guess that's a good Ole loss. Miss is so terrible. But well, I'm going off of the way the BCS is right here, right? Because if they're terrible, then Bama shouldn't be top four. And you know what? The no, Memphis they shouldn't Tigers, be top four. Yeah, exactly. Okay, go ahead. So they they've got a couple wins on their schedule that might make you scratch your head if they don't really get in and they went out because they what they play. Uh, I know they play Temple, and I think they play Houston, right? Do they play Houston? And both of those yeah. might be road games. I know I know the Temple game is, because I'm looking forward to watching that. That's going to be in a couple of weeks. But if both of those are road games, and I think both those teams are ranked. So yeah, look out for that, are. man. That, that might be fun. What would have to happen is, we mentioned the nightmare scenario in the, in the Big Ten. It would take Michigan State and Ohio State being off the board, and then somehow Iowa's there, and nobody likes Iowa, as you pointed out. Then Stanford would have to wipe out Notre Dame, but then pick up a loss in conference somewhere. Uh, what else would have to happen? So you can't just slide Notre Dame and Stanford in there. Um, oh, it, well, either Baylor would have to lose the game, they'd have to drop one. And right. Right. And then TCU right. would have to drop one uh, another week, <laughs> the next week, I right. guess, right? 
Yeah, I mean, so Baylor beats TCU, but then TCU loses to, I don't know, Iowa State or wherever the heck it is they finish up. Maybe Oklahoma? I don't, yeah, Oklahoma Yeah, State. right, there we go. Yeah, yeah, something like that, yeah. Right, right. And then Oklahoma State needs to pick up a loss somewhere also, too. Oh, yes, they do. Yes, they do. They will. <laughs> don't worry they got Hardest schedule in the country left, I think, is already already pencil in a loss. I see. Okay. <laughs> He's like they will. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, yeah. I'll be pleased to hear that. Houston plays. <laughs> yeah, Houston plays Memphis at home. Well, Memphis plays yep. Houston at home. Right. Right. On uh, November fourteenth. So, <clears throat> so get your tickets ready for that game. I. I just don't see that happening. Even if Memphis were to go undefeated, which is a big if because they have to get that Houston, who I think is pretty evenly matched team. Those are um, two very evenly matched teams. Those are two really, really good teams. Those are teams that should be both in the top ten, quite frankly. Even if they pick up a loss, those sure. are two teams that should be in the top ten. Quite sure, <laughs> but... <laughs> The thing is, they made this committee with a bunch of people that think they know football, and yet, from the looks of it, they really are iffy on it. Who created the committee? Who created the committee? That's the thing. The Power Five and Notre Dame. The Power Five teams in the Final Four. Not to put Memphis in. Not to put Houston in, not to put a Mountain West Conference team in, not to put a MAC team. They created the Power Five Conference. The Power Five Conference created Final Four to put Power Five teams in because that's where the money is. So you're telling me, Bill, to find a scenario where the Power Five Conferences are going to vote against their self-interest, and I would say that ain't going to happen. <laughs> I can't. I can't really argue that. <laughs> nope. That was kind of what I was driving at. That <laughs> you know, the, the emperor, as always, is not wearing clothes. Um, now, if they expand the playoffs, which may or may not happen, probably will, depending on how much money yeah, they make off. They have three years. This is, this is whatever we're doing now is going to happen for three years before they can even think about exactly. it. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Lock which, in is that exact, money. which is the exact time it'll take. But that's, but that's exactly the time it'll take for the hue and cry to build to the point where they can then say, we've heard you people. We've heard but what's cry? But, but, but what's cry, Bill? The cry of little children? The, the little <laughs> cries of Memphis, which won't even be that good two years from now, once all those coaches, once Justin Fuentes moves on to a bigger program, to a Power 5 program, once Tom Herman has moved on to a Power 5 program, like, that's what's happening here. That's what's happening here. Like, these these teams, Memphis, Houston, all these teams and all these coaches that are good and all this other kind of stuff, they're just going to hire – the Power 5 is just going to spend the money and hire them, and then everything goes back to the way it was. So wow. it, 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 those, those conferences will always remain the double-A – Franchises of the of the Power Five conferences, and no scenario where that's ever going to change. And no matter what cries, what little look at the little babies crying. You know, all the starving children in Africa. Nobody cares about the starving children in Africa. Nobody cares about those people. 
that just it, 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 no matter how because you can't hear them cry because you're in America. So that's my point. Is this this whole scenario, this whole discussion about Memphis or a Mount West team or any of this other stuff, the way the power is structured, it's never going to happen unless they expand the playoffs to eight. In which case, you might get a Memphis that ends up in that final eight. You might get a Houston that ends up in that final eight. Shoot, you might even get a Boise State that ends up in that final eight. But until that happens, which won't be till three years, I mean, we're going to be three years older. Maybe some of us survive. I don't know. Statistically speaking, that's a, that's an assumption to make. But if we do survive to that point, who knows what happens at that point? I, I don't. I don't disagree with you, but two things. Thank you, Senator Coburn. Thank you, Senator Coburn. Yeah. This is right. <laughs> I don't. I, I will say this: We talked about the uh, the. Uh, I know we talked about the on the show Monday is how uh, you know there's a lot of teams and there are a lot of teams out there going to be looking for coaches because it's just. I mean, you know, there are a lot of openings right now, and a lot of big openings. But you could do a lot worse than raid the AAC of some of the coaches that they have there. Herman, mm-hmm. Wednesday, mm-hmm. Will, uh, I can't even pronounce Kenny Yen's name, so I'm just going to not even try. Uh, mm-hmm. I can imagine with my uh, accent, I could, but, uh, you know, I mean, those, I mean, they're all, those teams are all well coached. They're talented, and they're not going to be in the playoffs. So, <laughs> But, you know, you could do a lot worse, though, than, than end up with Matt Rule as your, as your coach if you yeah. are, you know, if you are, say, South Carolina or Justin right. Fuente. You could you – could, there are a lot – there are worse coaches in the SEC right now than those four or five guys that are in there coaching in the, uh, in the AAC. I mean, Cubs is not is a bad coach at all, and he's probably the fourth or fifth best coach in the AAC. So, I mean, they're – those teams are well coached. They play well. And one thing I would say about Memphis, I don't think it's guaranteed they're going to get by Temple from what I've nope. seen. So it is not Temple. <laughs> so, I mean, Temple's a tough team defensively with a, and led by a great player. So they're – and they're very well coached. Uh, so they're uh, – like I said, they, they pack – I mean, they get – if you saw if you saw Temple's game against Penn State and Ohio State's game against Penn State, you'd swear Temple was a better team than Ohio State. I mean, just and how how much they dominated that game defensively and uh, just gave them absolutely fits. And their game against Notre Dame, I mean, again, if you saw their game against Notre Dame and USC's game, you'd swear to Temple. <laughs> it was incredible. Well, I mean, you made an interesting point, Jim. I, I'm not 100% sure that a Cardell-led Ohio State beats Temple on a neutral site. It'd be, a, it'd be close. I'll put it that way. <laughs> of course not. But it doesn't matter, Bill. It doesn't matter. And if I were you, Bill, I would start a service and basically – rob people of their money to say you're going to go lobby on their behalf to the Power Five conferences to do something, and then they end up not getting in, and you still keep their money. So that that's what I would do. 
I would take advantage of this systemic institutionalized racism of the lower five. The lower class of football, absolutely. Uh, you've got a CFB playoff lobbying committee here that could, well, it could be lucrative. I mean, there's that. Uh, I don't know how effective it is. You know, they might. You know, and they I might. like to get paid in cash, by the way. Yeah, yeah, there you go, Phil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, 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 I mean, you know, we, if, you want, if you're not in the Power Five or Notre Dame, uh, who is essentially the ACC's second exactly. team. Exactly. It's a uh, secret conference. Like transubstantiation, like I explained to Bill, they <laughs> magically become a part of the ACC through magic. You know, at one point, and then they go back to being out of it. When I was so, uh, the ACC, I was like, "You can do that! <laughs> I was like, you can do that!" Like, like I, I'm. It's just wow. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know where to go with it, man. But it's extremely advantageous. Uh, so you know, you you can go, you can cry, you can bring all the tears that you can muster. You can you can play Sarah McLaughlin's. Uh, oh, main God. society commercial with the, the dollar and the angel. Right. And play angel in the background, but at the end of the day, the Power Five are still going to count their stacks of bills, <laughs> and they're not going to share those stacks of bills with you know. I mean, they're just not going to share. <laughs> The best, the best you can hope for if you're in, if you're not in the Power Five, is that maybe you could sneak into a good bowl, New Year's Bowl game, and you know, you know, and beat a team in the in the uh, you know in the Power Five and say, look at this, we were good enough. But that's all. That 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 is your national championship. You get a mm. good invitation to the Citrus Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> And that's why I think eventually what you're going to see is teams are just going to buy in and try to get these conference bids. You know, maybe in a couple of years we'll see, you know, Memphis in the Big 12. To maybe we see Houston in the Big 12. You know, like eventually they're going to say, hey, maybe, you know, trying to get to another conference could be the way in. It's the only way in, you know. Right. Well, Here's the thing that that keeps coming back, and sure, you know, I hear people talk about the the rise of the super conference. You know, hey, the AAC and the Conference USA and some that all merge into the great conglomerate conference or whatever they end up calling it. The Leviathan is what it is. The Leviathan. If they did that, if they said, hey, we're going to take the top twelve teams, and that's just going to be its own conference, that would be. Decent. I mean, wait, wasn't that what the American Conference was supposed to be, though? Or was that? Well, it was well, the American Conference. Yeah. I mean, it, it was supposed to be, you know, when they had the Big East. Right, the remains the of the Big East. Diaspora, you know, they became refugees. So they tried to build the Big East back again. And the Big East was a good conference. I mean, it was really Very good. Very good. But, but when they had Virginia UConn, yeah. Miami, mm-hmm. yeah, Louisville. That was a darn good conference. Yeah, remember you know, when the whack? This isn't basketball, this is, man. You know, they get their chance. They give them their chance at basketball already. So 
I guess they don't have to do that in football. You know, right. Yeah, but that's yeah. basketball. Yeah. Nobody cares about basketball either. Uh, $871 million they made last year on basketball. That's, that's a little bit of money. Just a tad bit. A little bit. A little bit. A little a little bit, eight hundred seventy-one million. Not too, not too shabby. It's enough to keep the lights on, I guess. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> so, the the big dance, or the I guess in the case of football, the rather small and exclusive dance, is going to stay that way. It's essentially what everyone apparently has agreed that your SOL, if you're not Notre Dame or Power Five, pretty much. There's no rebellion. There's no rebel resistance. As much as you want there to be one, it doesn't exist. Okay. Because they've, so, they've already bought everybody. Uh, I do think they're going to expand it. It may not go all the way to eight, but I think there'll be two play-ins. You know, uh, I believe at some point there'll be, you know, a, a round of the whoever the other teams are while the big four teams would ever get a bye, and then, you know, the surviving <laughs> team from the play-in game will take on whatever the lowest seed of the, you know, take on the number four team, I guess, and the survival of that plays the number two and one and three, and then, you know, the survival Well, doesn't of that it become play-in. a battle of attrition at that point? Because then we're hitting at, what, 16 games, 17-game marker? Now, Montel, I think it's pretty clear they don't care about that. Well, I, I do, and I think we should, right? Because if you play an NFL schedule, I mean, not an NFL schedule, but an NFL length schedule, maybe <laughs> more if we add in, I mean, depending on format, maybe there's a scenario where you have to play 17 games for the title. I also think that maybe you can kind of skew the results, right? Because if, uh, you know, we know how the SEC is and how great Bama is supposed to be, so if they have to play all those rigorous games, 13 SEC games, then play four or three, you know, including the title game, you know, maybe that's, you know, not the same as a Big 12 team that gets in, plays one less game, and, you know, like, like stuff like that is, is going to make a difference, you know. Montel, that, that ain't nothing but more business for Dr. Andrews. <laughs> because it's just like I don't know. It's like there's you know every route doesn't really. I don't. I just thought it'd be way easier than this. You know. Uh, you mean benefiting the players, sharing a piece of the pie? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. You know. I just thought you know. The crust. So much money. You know. So many teams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so many people, so many teams, so much money. You know, there's there's an easy route here, guys. You know, <laughs> like there's there's a way. Oh, of course, there's there is a way, but it is clear to me the more I think about it, as has been explained a few different times, that this is an enormous money. Right? I mean, oh, yes. When something makes money like this, and there's a chance for it to make more money simply by adding another game, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> People need players. I mean, especially when you have non unionized labor. And that's the what I was going to say. The National Labor Board said they can't 
Right. It's right. awful. <laughs> it's awful. And that's what I'm saying is they are abusing this chief. Like, it, oh, my goodness. I mean, when you just think about the terms and simpler, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's hard to quantify. But if you think about just the physical risk of another game on top of 14 already, and then you have to turn around and get ready for the combine in, what, three weeks? Yeah, cool. Well, cool. I mean, cool. come on, Mattel. They they play uh, uh, South Carolina University of uh, Technology, right? They play three of those games. So, like, is it really a full 17 games or is it, you know, 12 full well, games true. and the rest are, like, yeah. half games, you know? Okay, well, where they fair. play half of it, the preseason game. I mean, sometimes if you're Michigan State, you don't blow out those teams, though. So, but yeah, you're true. true. Or often, you know, you you go to overtime and almost lose. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm nobody cares about those players. So, I don't well, know. Here's the unionized labor. Pretty much. <laughs> and when they ask for money, it's publicly uh, not popular for them to ask for money as well. So it's a win-win situation, guys. Even when they ask for money to be paid, everybody's pretty much against it, at least opinion poll-wise. Mm-hmm. Man, this is so bad. So that, that's what I was driving at. I mean, I hate to put it this way, but player safety is not the priority here in Montez. So if if it looks like, and I think it will look like, after three years they're going to add at least one more layer, you know, may not be a full layer, may not be four more, but I think it's a, like I said, at least a play-in game so that somebody else gets a seat at the table and, you know, they can say they're doing it for the sake of fairness or whatever they'll say. Uh, well, I mean, you know, so that all five of the power conference teams can get a point, can get a team in. Why don't have six? And then you add no today, and they can just be in whether or not, you know, when they go two and nine. There's no today goes two and nine. Maybe, maybe. Nah, we'll just pick another team from the power power five. <laughs> there will never be an alley. So that the Power Five and Notre Dame are going to give up their power, their money, and watch an a and watch a team from the lower ranks possibly win the national championship. Can you imagine <laughs> the exactly. the amount the amount of can ringing <laughs> Exactly. So fairness goes out the door for political feasibility. So. <laughs> Yep. And they can do that, and, they, and the Power Five can do that and shut teams out because, like Jim said, no one cares about you know the Mountain West except five people in Montana. Exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> I saw the Fresno State. Watch the Fresno State game. Fresno State game, guy. Lead last week. Awful. Like one of the worst teams I've ever seen. Like worst I've seen Fresno State. They, they fired Pat Hill for a death. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, you say it's a good team, though. So. 
But how long will that last? Their coach, if he does well, will probably move up to the Power Five conference. That's the thing, Bill, is whatever happens, whatever shed of hope occurs in these conferences, they're just going to get bought out by the bigger conferences. So back to square one. Well, Boise is the exception. It doesn't matter if they lose their coach. See Dan Hawkins. See Coach Peterson. See Coach Harrison when he leaves. They'll still be good. They were actually better without Dan Hawkins, even though he left for Colorado. Well, we'll see. Actually, way, way better. I, I'm, I'm saying let's see what happens three years from now. Let's see where Boise State is three years from now before we ten and, get ten and two. <laughs> anointing people. Yeah. But, yeah. So, what are we going to talk about? Who's going to be in the Final Four? Which one of these Power Five conferences are not going to get in? It's like a dead well, horse, man, you know? <laughs> I was going to talk about, I guess, one of the big things is relative strengths or whatever, you know? And... uh as he said, there's this assumption that by, you know, basically by divine right, the SEC is always considered to have the greatest relative strengths of, you know, because they play each other and the SEC is blah, blah, blah. So automatically SEC schools go up. Uh, generally, there's a belief that Big 12 teams beyond just one or two teams are not good and even their best teams are uh, considered to be dangerously flawed, usually on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Big 12, a lot of the same things that are true, though stylistically very different, but in terms of how it presents itself, thought to be very similar. Uh, let's see. They also... I mean, here's what I've noticed. People always say perception is reality, and you know, there's obviously a lot of truth to that in every phase of, of life. But what I've begun to notice is that perception trumps reality uh, when it comes to some of the things that we've been discussing. Uh, I could see Ohio State losing a game and dropping, but not dropping so far that as long as they don't lose any other games and they have a good, you know, close the season where they can get back in it. And obviously the same can be said of a good number of the SEC schools, that there's a perception, you know, that, well, you know, they lost the game really early, just had this very young person who was doing this for us or doing that for us. You know, all the things joys here whenever, you know, something goes wrong. There's a... A thin line running through, I guess, all of college sports, but particularly the big money college sports, where you still get to hear these millionaires, because almost all the big coaches nowadays are millionaires, say that they're. Even a lot of the average ones are. Yeah, it's also true. Thanks for reminding me about that. Oh, I've done all the wrong things in my life. Um, but yes, the. Um, the 
but still you hear that you're not just about wins and losses, we're building men, character building, and this and the other thing. We want to make sure that these become productive you know, husbands and, and fathers and such and such. But every oh, time Of course. That's the front. But, you have to <laughs> you have to have something that people I mean, you know, pull up the heartstrings, you know, get people to believe a certain thing. So that, oh, nothing's going wrong here. You guys are just upstanding citizens playing football. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. But, I mean, even even at Notre Dame, right, considered usually to be one of the cleaner programs, you know, you have the Prince Shimbo situation a couple of years ago. You've had um, a couple of academic uh, scandals. Uh, you know, once again, it's not like, Crime of the Month Club they had at Florida back in the day when right before Urban Meyer's heart began to tell him to get out of there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but I guess what I'm saying, we all recognize what college sports, not just, you know, are, but what they've been for some time. And there is a need to still believe there's more to it and it helps if you can believe that you know, it's not just essentially a professional enterprise where you don't have to play the professional players I mean that's how some people have come to describe particularly at the power five you know the Congo big school um, where your job is to play football or basketball or whatever we used to talk about the major revenue producing sports and you get your school done when and where and how you can. Playing, hey, here's your iPad, you can get with you, whatever it is. And so when I go, you, Montel, said, you know, can we do that? Can we add another game? Come on, son. If there's money and the kind of money I'm thinking there will be coming that could come out of it, oh, oh my. It would add that extra game so fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Additional, and they could talk about additional sponsorship opportunities because it's like a wild card. You could, I mean, my God! Oh my God! Ugh. It would be so, so much money. So, uh, what I was getting getting to, sort of looking at the state of the conferences, and that means obviously the on-field product, but also how the conferences are perceived and how they're doing even to some extent away from what they are, aren't doing, you know, as, as a actual athletic program in terms of on field performance, you know, the SEC, like I said, it's one of its great uh, advantages is the psychological advantage, not so much in terms of the games, you know, we play against the team, from outside of the conference, but the psychological advantage it holds when people sit down and rank football teams, the SEC has rented space in their brains, apparently permanently, no matter how the conference is doing. I mean, am I am I going crazy, or is that a fairly accurate thing? Oh, what exactly? Uh... Oh, <laughs> I was saying that 
there's a major psychological advantage that, that these schools have automatically because they're there to see because of the psychological hold it because you've rented space in the minds of decision makers. And, you know, like I said, the the pollsters and the people who committee members who go into the room to discuss which teams or what. Every single one of them has had their mind altered. I mean, you know, I'm not saying surgically or anything, but I mean, it, there is a focus on the SEC, belief in the SEC, right. the SEC to some extent to be the example of tough, quote unquote, old school and all that stuff, football, when in so many other places they've gone a different direction. Well, I think. I think a little bit of that is because when – I mean, I've been a guy that's been in California, I've lived in Alabama for a little bit, uh, still probably going to end up in Alabama anyways a little bit. But uh, there's a sense that the South, Texas, Alabama, Mississippi, Florida, that football is a little bit more important to them than other places. It is. Right. So – as much as people want to talk about the Big Ten or the Pac-12 and like, oh, we're do- we're the dominant team or this or that, the SEC kind of makes sense in being the, the top football conference because they may not always be the best football teams at the time, but they are more rah-rah. They care more about it. Football means more to them. And it's hard to explain unless you've been there. Unless you've been to a Texas uh, high school football game or or even Alabama high school football game or even went to Alabama football, just lived in a town with a football game going, it's just different. And it's really, it's it's hard. You just have to, like, experience it. That's all I can really say. So maybe there's a little bit of that to it that people – the SEC is held up. I mean, the reason why everybody gets those SECs, the top conference, is because, you know, over the last 10 championships, they've won, I don't know, seven, maybe eight out of 10 or something like that, or six out of 10, something like that. And Alabama, of course, became a dynasty in college football for a little bit. And Auburn, of course, won, you know, a championship. But I just think that it's just the sense that the fans and the programs around the SEC and the the way things are going now where football is becoming less important in different states and different places, but it's pretty much staying the same in the South, that the South just seems to be, or the SEC in general just seems to be, hey, these people still really love football, and these other people like football, but why don't we make the ambassador of football be the SEC who are the most, Patriotic about it, I guess. That's all I can really say. Maybe, you know, possibly. What other conferences, you know, their fans, it goes through their mind, you know, uh, okay, we lost this big game to our rivals, so let's go poison some of the trees. <laughs> yeah, there are not words to describe. 
the hatred between Alabama and Auburn. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it, it, I was on Twitter. It was with a with a Michigan fan. He was saying that you know Michigan Ohio State was the most bitter rivalry. When no, you're talking about guys that are like the states apart. I mean, Auburn and Alabama, it's your neighbor. You you literally consider burning your neighbor's house. <laughs> I mean, that's how much they just truly despise each other. Mm-hmm. I, I always I always say tell folks if you ever want if you ever want to go uh, uh, and uh, two hours of why where do these people come from? Listen to Paul Feinbaum's radio show. It is. Amazing! Oh, I love it. I love the ball fine bomb show. Absolutely, I can't tell you before I started going to school how many hours I killed. How many hours I killed listening to that podcast? Um, it, it's ridiculous. I think you know, and, and you can tell me how you feel about this team. But the amount like here in Chicago, in Chicago, we call them meatballs. You know, we got the fans who don't know anything about the team, but they're like, "Go team, go team." And the amount of people, meatball, who love Auburn and Georgia will come there to defend their team after a loss. You know, like, and it's just, it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, it's scary. It, it, it is. It's, it's scary how serious they take it. Because you can have a discussion and say, okay, here are my thoughts. But, like, they are yelling into their phone. To just you know, just just laying into whoever it is, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, I've had enough. I've had enough. I had family members that were ready to fight me over saying AJ McCarron wasn't all that good. <laughs> oh yes, oh it's, <laughs> me and they love, love him in Alabama. They, they love him. They love AJ McCarron. I can. I mean, they finally, even though he's not doing well now, they're like, well, that's because Andy Dalton is is uh, so you know so good. I mean, that's because Marvin Lewis has made poor decisions. Oh, I'll never forget that, Art. <laughs> I just finally went, oh, yeah, the guy's great. Absolutely, man. I mean, it's different. It's different. It's just a different experience, you know. And me being an Auburn fan in Alabama, and you kind of have the sort of, oh, you're one of those people, <laughs> you know. It's just it's it's it is a it's a weird experience. I'll just say that much. Where the battlefield isn't really defined that well, anyway. <laughs> You're, you you are an enemy line, no matter where you are in Alabama, for the most part. <laughs> Occupied territory. <laughs> so, in Michigan, Ohio State, just stay in Ohio. You won't run into Michigan, You know, in Ohio. <laughs> no, not really. It's a really good bribery. So, I, I just think it's a little bit of that. And honestly, I have no problems with that. If you want to say SEC is the ambassador of football, based on my experience, I'd say, why not? You know, why not? They're the most gung-ho about it. They're the most stab somebody over it, shoot somebody in the street over it. So why not have them be the ambassador of football unless you 
you know, you're not into that kind of thing, which mm-hmm. depends on the person, of course. But mm-hmm. understand, you know, when you want your most passionate fans to be the ambassadors of the thing, you know, I don't know. But that's just that's just what I what I I feel about it. I guess, you know, because like if if USC loses a big game. I mean, you're sad about it, but then you go, "All right, guys, let's go. Let's 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 go to the beach, or let's go to the mountains. You know, let's let's do this, let's do that." In Alabama, where do you go to? Let's go watch grass grow. <laughs> you know, like it's, football's everything. Let's go spike some trees. Exactly. More likely, it's you know, let's get drunk and go shoot animals. You know. <laughs> Primal, man. You know, different. Let's throw a rock through our Alabama neighbors, you know, Alabama fan neighbors front, you know, front. Throw a brick through his picture window. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because he celebrated too much. Too much. You get celebrated, but don't don't celebrate too much. But yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I just having lived in this area, I mean, I, I all my life, you know, in Tennessee, I, I can tell you, I can't imagine there's a place on earth other than the South where football matters that much. I mean, it just, I mean, it matters in people's lives. So, and I'm like, I guess I'm a little weird just because I'm like, you know, I got other things, you know, important to me. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it's just, like I said, the the closest I've ever come to getting in a fight with a family member was over saying A.J. McCarron wasn't any good at a family picnic. A mistake I will never make again. Am I still connected? Hello? Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of if I didn't have to think about talk, all I had to go by was, you know, like a few metrics and my own eyeballs, where Alabama would be. There wasn't the, you know, SEC. Things that are all right. Where would you know? If there weren't, you know, if, if indeed the trust, the trustees, the majesty, and the whatever else isn't there or isn't been recognized, you know, set up in such a way that there's the opening portals, the point is that you have, I think, out there, I'm not saying out there. I'm just convinced that most of what we believe them to be is based something on being in the Big Ten. And I think something somewhat similar to the better team, something somewhat similar to going on in Florida. And of course, both of the teams fix that because they're going in or going to want to die, a new guy. And 
that person would probably succeed. I'll say, look, we did the right thing. It's inspiring Coach A to bring on Coach B. But I think most of these guys are the ones that have to be gone for coaching things. Uh, moving back somewhere soon. So, Alice, you might tell. The Big Ten altogether, all of its various members, how well coached do you feel like every just sort of looking at all of the conversation, how well they are coached in terms of you know, game to game stuff. And Who is this? Say it again. The Big Ten. Uh, I was saying, how would you say the Big Ten is equipped in terms of coaches looking through the whole conference? Uh, better. Um, well, it's kind of like the bottom is 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 maybe pretty bad, but. Um, I think the top is about as good as anyone. Um, I have tremendous respect for Mark D'Antonio, what he's been able to do for the you know program he's had there at Michigan State. I mean, he's used a lot of walk-on guys. He's developed them. He's instilled in them, uh, you know, the importance of staying a senior year. And I think he's you know he's profited greatly from that. Uh, you know, I think Harbaugh, what he's done with, in my opinion, the, I mean, especially on offense, a relatively average roster, and what he's been able to do there, I think, is special. Uh, you obviously got Meyer. Those, those are your top three guys. And, and after that, like I said, Ferentz, uh, you know, say what you want, but he's going to be over 500 more often than not, um, and he'll get you to a bowl game. Uh, most most conferences have coaches like Ferentz, or at least want coaches, or wish they had coaches like Ferentz, you know, that won't bottom out on you and kind of lay an egg on, a, on any given season. Uh, but when you look around, uh, you know, the I obviously have – you know, some soul-searching to do as they figure out what they want to do. Uh, most recently I heard they might keep their interim coach on, you know, just because he actually won some games for them. And um, I, I think they're really winning games just on the talent they have on that roster this year, that senior talent that's about to graduate. But um, And Illinois, by the way, is another senior-led team. I think they have 20, 22, 23 seniors, something like that. So that might be important. But I, I think this year we can do uh, because the Illini have been exposed. Now they have to get a coach. I think Jerry Kill leaving Minnesota is really devastating for the coaching uh, the coaching value that's in the Big Ten because I had tremendous respect for Kill. Like, this is a guy who's done fairly well wherever he's gone and has always set a program up for success after he's left. Um, I guess you guys know I'm studying at NIU now. He's barely high on thought of here. Like, if I didn't know him coming here, I would have known him, even though Rod Carey is the coach now. So um, very well thought of there um, at Nebraska with Mike Riley. You know, we, we talked about it, you know. <laughs> um, I I hope he's going to be good, and um, I'll just leave it at that. Time will tell. Um, I love what James Franklin has given Penn State. I think him and Pat Fitzgerald are kind of the maybe under overlooked coaches in the Big Ten, uh, Pat Fitzgerald especially, because he gets it. Uh, I think we have what he's worked with and what he's had to develop. He's done a phenomenal job, uh, especially as Big Ten, uh, Big Ten especially as Northwestern hopefully kind of expands their recruiting efforts uh, and they become maybe a little more of a contender in the coming years. I think uh, I'd love to see Fitzgerald flourish and then see what they can do. Um, so I think he's a very strong up-and-coming coach. Uh, same thing with uh, James Franklin. Uh, I don't I don't really know uh, how in love the fan base is with him, but they need to stay in love with him. Hopefully no sour grapes over what's, uh, what's going on with Hack and, you know, the fact that they're not beating Ohio State yet. Give him more time because he, he's done fine. Um, yeah, and then, and then when you look at the bottom, you look at some other coaches. Um, you know, I'm not a big Paul Chris fan. Uh, Wisconsin's doing okay. And they've got some good talent in their roster. 
Um, but Paul Chris has the personality of a rock. <laughs> like he's he's not really like much of you know much. You're not, and, and I don't know if he's just playing dumb with the media or if the guy has an IQ of seven. I'm not really sure yet. But you know, it's it's uh, it's translating to wins for Wisconsin, and I'm I'm hoping for their sake that it continues. And you know, he talked about Cal Flood and what might happen to Rutgers, and um, so that that might actually trend downward if they kind of go, you know, the route of the. Al Golden, you know, maybe and, and get that type of guy in there who can at least run a clean program. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when you look at the, the worst coaches in the Big Ten, they're either gone or, you know, they've only been there for very little time, which I think is very good, you know. Um, there are other co- coaches who, you know, I'm not going to call anyone out, but, you know, there are other coaches in other conferences who repeatedly fail you and they're just still there, you know, still cashing that check, you know. Um, but hey, um, I guess I think Daryl Hazel needs more time at Purdue. I've seen flashes of how this team can improve. Um, they're still not very good this year, but I think maybe soon they can get there. But overall, it's it's pretty strong. Um, like I said before, most people that suck are are gone, um, or they just got there. Hello? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah I, I was. We were all admiring your handiwork, Montel. The the Big Twelve. Um, I guess Nolan was supposed to hop on with us, but I guess something didn't come up. So I guess I will. Gundy is a name that suddenly started popping up for available jobs in other places. Uh. You know, the biggest name nationally is still Stoops. But some of the luster within the conference, I think, is off of Stoops, even though I think nationally he's still considered the man amongst teams in the conference. Um, Kingsbury is a, a on the rise, up-and-comer, Coach Handsome, Coach Gosling, Coach whatever. Uh, it'd be nice to see him win a few more tough games in conference. But there's a perception that he's, you know, like I said, on the rise. Uh, Coach Strong has survived, which I think, you know, like I said, I don't call him Coach Weak. You know, he's a guy that believed in what he was doing. Uh, Now, obviously, they're not completely out of the woods yet. They can still end up missing a bowl, in fact. But, But I think he's done enough to show people around the conference, you know, like I said, that he's, there's a plan in place and that it's working. Um, you know, Bill Snyder's in the Hall of Fame already. Uh, so I guess, you know, next please. Uh, David Beatty, if you remember correctly, correctly, is the coach at Kansas. And like I said, he's not an interim coach, but they should probably just use the term interim for everyone who coaches at Kansas because I don't think anybody's since Mangino has managed the last three years. Um, uh, let's see, somebody like that. Uh, the big Ken 
feel usually like they're fairly well coached. Uh, at one point, the Pac-12 may be the most coaching-rich conference around at one point when you had, you know, Harbaugh and Carroll and Chip. I mean, they had some sexy, 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 sexy um, coaching names. A little less sexy now. Uh, Donovan. Donovan still with us? Yeah. Okay. To speak to the state of the coaching profession within the Pac-12. The Pac- um, you know, like you said, it was it, it's definitely down right now. Um, I still really get coaches. Um, a lot of guys that are kind of just getting their jobs. Uh, say, you know, um, Todd Graham. That's this is his first big time job. I know he's at Pitt. Um, you know, for for a year, but it's his first big time job. Sonny Dykes, Mike McIntyre, Mark Helfridge, um, you know, Gary Anderson, guys like that. Uh, David Shaw the best coach in the conference to me. Jim Moore is right there with him. Uh, obviously, Coach Sarkson's gone now. Clay Hilton's uh, interim coach will say he might keep that job. We'll see. And Wayham's the most consistent. Um, obviously, he's only been in the conference for a few years, but uh, he's done a really good job um, at Utah. He's just won football games, whether it's the Mountain West or, or right now he's winning football games. Uh, it, it took him a little while, but they gave him time, of course. I mean, he's one of those coaches that, you know, it's going to take a lot for him to get fired. It's probably one of the most unfireable coaches in the country. And, you know, Chris Peterson surprised me this year. They got a big game versus Utah. We'll see how, how they play. Uh, they, they, they play pretty good this year. And Mike Leach is the the fun coach, <laughs> of course. Uh, he's kind of the outsider a little bit, but um, he's the guy you got to he's – the, he's the, you know, the press loves him. Uh, the media loves that guy. So, uh yeah, I mean, it, all the teams are pretty good. I mean, none of them are really on the hot seat per se. I mean, you know, they're all kind of either like David Shaw, Jim Moore, you know, Kyle Whittingham have their jobs. And a lot of the coaches are new. There's been a lot of turnover in the conference uh, with Harbaugh being gone. And like you said, be Carroll. Uh, Mike Riley was there forever. It seemed like at Oregon State. Now he's gone. Excuse me. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously Coach you know, Sark's changed – he went in conference and changed uh, head coaching jobs. But it's pretty good right now, I think. Um, I mean, David Shaw is one of the top five, top ten. If you don't have him in your top ten head coaches, you don't know head coaches that great. I, I don't, I, I'll say that. But <laughs> you know, David Shaw's done a really good job. Um, Jim Moore's doing a hell of a job at UCLA as well. So I think uh, saying the Pac-12 is, is good. I mean – you know, obviously, SEC coaching, it's the same. You know, SEC coaching is the best. And then, you know, from there, uh, the Big Ten has better coaches, you know, just because of the, the three Montel names, you know. Um, Michigan State head coach, Irvin, um, you know, obviously, and Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and then the Big Ten, or excuse me, Big 12 has really good coaches, too. And so does the ACC, actually. ACC has really good coaches. So, that's always down on coaching a little bit. But like I said, they're newer coaches. They haven't been there as long. Um, you know what I mean? So we'll see what happens. I, I don't know. I mean, Kyle Whittingham is going to probably be at Utah forever. <laughs> um, David Shaw remains to be seen. Jim Moore, like I said, uh, he's got something brewing at, at UCLA across town that's special. Um, you know, with a young team. Mark Helfridge, I know, is down right now, but I think they'll be fine. I don't know why people are expecting the Oregon so high this year. Um, but, you know, they've played worse than I thought, but still, I mean, I don't know. They were in a national championship defense is bad, it's not good. And 
they don't have a good enough offense right now. So uh, I think they'll be fine, though, up there on the Eugene. So, yeah, I think the Pat is pretty good in coaching right now, especially assistant coaching, too. A lot of assistant coaches um, are hot names, whether it's Mike Norvell or Scott Frost or, you know, Clay Elton, one of them, too, with a bunch of guys. Uh, even Dennis Erickson's still assistant coach. He's not a hot name anymore, but he's still assistant coach. Uh, one of the better assistant coaches in the conference. So, I'm looking, looking pretty good. Definitely top five, you know, obviously. Top top four, top five uh, overall coaching. Well, Steve, this is sort of a softball question, but what's the state of the coaching talent pool in the SEC? Honestly, it's kind of, you know, the, the SEC coaches are very well paid. So, I mean, yeah, they're, they're going to be able to attract talent. But, I mean, you know, certainly you've got Nick Saban, who's like probably at the top of any list that you more than make, you know, of college football coaches and, and what, four national championships uh, at two different schools. So, I mean, he's he's probably the, the very, very top uh, great staff in the SEC because, I mean, again, you can uh, – the money is there for you to pay uh, assistant coaches astronomical salaries. Uh, Jim McElwain is a very good coach. Uh, at Florida, uh, you you you've got you know uh, Mark Rick, who's probably just barely hanging on at Georgia. So uh, if if he continues to hang on, uh, which is just amazing to me. I mean, you you hear Mark Rick is on the uh, is on you know is uh, he's on the hot seat every year, but you never really believe it. And this is the year I kind of believe it. So. Uh, Butch Jones is average. Uh, I mean, he's middle of the road. He, the, the coach at Mississippi State's very good. Uh, Hugh Freeze, Hugh Freeze probably has not been as good as his reputation. Uh, Kevin Sumlin's a guy who's probably not been as good as his reputation as far as winning games in the SEC. Uh, Brett Bielema was the best coach in the Big 12 when he left, uh, the most successful and uh, it's been kind of middle of the road in the SEC, so, which kind of shows you that it's a, it's a tough neighborhood. Uh, a guy like Gus Malzahn, who, who was very well respected uh, right now, you know, he's probably not a you know, a guy who was well thought of in the coaching ranks. Uh, uh, just, you know, he's not even having a good year, but he's a guy I think will rebound. Uh, and of course, you've got Les Miles, who's the the Mad Hatter, the the the, the crazy professor, but also crazy successful. So, I mean, so the coaching staff, and, and even if you go to Vanderbilt, Derek Mason's a very good coach. It's just, I mean, he's got very little to work with at Vanderbilt. Uh, part of the, the the young Stoops, maybe the best coach in his family, Kentucky. And then uh, out in Missouri, Pinkle's a very, very good coach. So, I mean, they, the SEC, I mean, of course, you got South Carolina, which is, uh, you know, you, you would have said last year, maybe three or four years ago, pretty strength, 
especially in that coaching staff at South Carolina, but it's really fell all apart. Uh, I, I joke around that Steve Spurrier retired three years ago and really didn't tell anybody. He just told people this year that he's actually retired. Uh, so that's probably the the one. I mean, if you could say the one where it's a weak spot in the SEC for a coaching staff, it's probably there. But they're talking about spending four to five million dollars a year on their next coach, so there probably won't be a weakness there long. Which is the same with the SEC. Like I said, they, those schools all have money to spend. Uh, they have crazy, crazy good uh, TV deal, and uh, that will grow. They set to grow over time. Uh, and it might, it might be the time to you know just kind of. Say Mike Slides might be the best actual leader. I mean, I know he's retired now, but he might have been actually the best leader of a major, major conference sport. Yes, that we yeah. saw in the last twenty-five to thirty yeah. years. I mean, he at where the SEC, where he brought the SEC to in terms of how much money they have, uh, what their following is. He he just did. A, I mean, there's. And he had been working on their network. He'd been working on their network. That was his baby, you know, and he's been working on that forever. And it's it's yielded so much money for them, you know. Wow. I mean, it's just like I said, they're just – they're really – I mean, yes, the SEC is, I mean, they – the like I said, they have rabid fan bases. They have a lot of money. And in general, they have very few universities that don't care. So – they their coaching ranks are really good. I mean, like I said, a guy like Brett Bielema, he's been to the Rose Bowl, what, four times? And maybe on the hot seat at Arkansas. So, uh, I mean, that's basically, you know, that's the, that's the neighborhood he's in now. So, as you said, it's a pretty softball question. The SEC has a lot of talent. They also have very good talent in their coaching staff. There's no bad coaches in the SEC, really. I mean, they're just guys that maybe aren't as good as some of their peers. And Jim McElwain should be coach of the year probably in college football this year. So there's the whole spiel. Hello, is anybody there? I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Well, well then. So, how's everybody doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing okay. I just been all right. Yeah, doing all right. Hope everyone's week's been okay. <laughs> just struggling, just struggling these oranges. <laughs> fun, fun nights, Montel. Fun nights in California. You gotta come out. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I actually, you know, might. It's just, it's been wild here at NIU, man, because we had 
Halloween weekend last weekend, and then homecoming of the week before, and it was oof. Uh, been a rough couple weekends, man. But I got a buddy from Chicago who said he might drive out this way, so I'll know in the next hour if he comes out. If he comes out, I go out. If not, I'll just kind of hedge my bets and, and go twice as hard Saturday. <laughs> you know, that'll probably be the move. Understandable. <laughs> uh, on the upside, I, I came upon a great invention last night. If you guys, uh, if you. Mix Amsterdam orange, okay, and Smirnoff <laughs> pineapple. You wow. mix that with, uh, what is this, Welch's mango pineapple. You have an incredible drink, incredible drink. So um, <laughs> Smirnoff to, pineapple, uh, Amsterdam well, orange, and then Welch's mango. All together. DM me that, man. You might have to DM me that one. Um, <laughs> I have to DM you the recipe. <laughs> you might have to, man. <laughs> you know, the the James House likes to to get down on some uh, adult beverages. So um, some adult beverages. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. I guess. I mean, you guys follow me, so I guess you would know that. I gotta be the uh, you know Adam Levine of like. Grass with it. Adam Levine, grass with it. That's it. Oh, really bad. <laughs> really bad. Oh man. You guys, uh, wait, you did, and I, you already played this week once, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, they played Toledo on Tuesday. Oh yeah, they won. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good job, congratulations. <laughs> oh yeah, bowl eligible, dude. <laughs> always bowl eligible, always. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just, uh, what was it? Um, they converted a third and 39 against Toledo, and I was mad and Mad and Only thing they don't tell you out here is that the wind is awful. Like, because there's not really many buildings out here in the cow, and there's just so many cornfields. So it just gives the wind kind of room to gain. And by the time it hits campus, it's hitting your face at like 40 miles per hour. So, oh, wow. wow. Yeah, because I was at the Eastern Michigan game two weeks ago, and I had on sleeves, hoodie, all that, and it was it, it was a 40-degree day, but it felt like 20. So, yeah. I'll be up there uh, sometime at some point next year. The Rivals camp uh, goes through Chicago. I'm sure you know that. So, um, yeah. I, I, I got to go make my rounds. So I'll be up there. I'll see you. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, good talent. You got you got to drive out west. You know, a little further west. You know, Skyler. Or maybe I might be back that weekend. Let me know what weekend you decide to do it. Maybe I'll just come back and make life easy. But, yeah. Who knows when it's gonna be? There's there's a lot of good uh good. Uh, you know, I'm surprised. Like Illinois doesn't have a, a top uh team in in high school football this year. Like that I know. Christian Brothers is good. Um. Yeah, I don't know, but I don't know. It seems like Mount it's Carmel is good. I'm sure you know Saint Rita, Mount Carmel. Um, Mount Carmel, yeah, 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 them too, of course. Man, yeah, one of the schools down big time. But what is it? Uh, Richards High School, doing pretty good there in Evergreen Park or Oakland area in Illinois. It's a good program in the south suburbs of Chicago. Um, Kevin Coleman was at Tilly Park High School. 
You guys got basketball and lost. But. <laughs> yeah, and that's what Illinois really does. That's what Chicago really does. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, ridiculous. Like, you guys, yeah, I mean, Jabari and Derrick Rose, everybody. <laughs> I mean, people gamble on the games out here. Like, well, not out here in DeKalb, but out in Chicago. It's pretty serious. Pretty serious. Uh, Hopefully the, the the football team can get back to uh, that or, or take some of that. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping, man. I'm hoping. Friday, <laughs> I'm hoping. I mean, like, the Illini, like, as far as the football team goes, this is still a talented roster. I mean, if they didn't lose their coach, and if the coach didn't suck, and had they just, you know, run away with running Josh Ferguson to begin with, this is a team that could have six wins pretty pretty handily. But uh, a lot of stuff happened, and, yeah, you know. But you can see the way they're winning games right now, dealing with what well, they had to deal with. So I think they won, like, three straight games right after they fired uh, Beckman. So I think they – I don't know what they're doing recruiting-wise, but – after these seniors go, it might be a little worse off, you know, maybe a lot worse off. But right now, maybe not right. It's been all right. Their recruiting classes are always the same, man. They get, like, I don't know. <laughs> They're not good, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they get guys. Like, they get they keep some local guys, but it's just hard. It's hard. It's hard for them to recruit good. I mean, most of their best players go to Ohio State and Notre Dame and stay, and then they're fighting with uh, your school, you know, for 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 talent uh, in Northern Illinois and uh, like Toledo and Mac schools. Yeah, that's so. what we're seeing more and more. I'm like, based on what I read and the people I talked to, uh, NIU is recruiting out in in Florida. They got some players from Fort Lauderdale, Miami. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. They they expanded, dude. I didn't know NIU would have any type of club down there, but it's happened. It can happen, man. It can happen to anybody. That's what I always say in recruiting. You gotta look at it as far as just building the pipeline. You gotta build your little pipeline, whether it's a, a school, a certain school that you get a get a kid from, or an area or a region, whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, you can build your pipeline. Anybody can do it. You know, so. Uh, Sure. Hopefully, Illinois <laughs> can do that. Hopefully, uh, yeah, they got a lot more building to do than most people. But that's the truth. Who was the uh, five school? Yeah. Who was the five star prospect you had on the show last week? Um, I didn't have one this week, but I had uh, Greg uh, Rogers two weeks ago from uh, ah. Centennial High School in uh, Nevada. Fun, good. He's he's good, man. He if you get a chance to watch his tape, um, definitely watch it. He started, what is he? 2017 class. He started every game uh, since his freshman year. Uh, first game I noticed him was last year versus um, Bishop Gorman. He was the only wow. kid that looked like he could be on the team, on the other team. So <laughs> <laughs> he looked. I mean, he was better than their defensive lineman, and you know, obviously Gorman's a lot better than Centennial, but. He, he's he's uh, 6'3", uh, 286 pounds. He's only 16 or 17, I think. So he's fast, pretty pretty fast. Uh, he's good. I like him. He kind of reminds me of, like, Chris Jones a little bit from Mississippi State. 
Um, but he's probably going to be bigger than him since he's almost close to the same size now. <laughs> but uh, he's good. Um, he's he's quick. He's really quick hands and athletic. So, yeah, he's, he's a good player. Hmm. But, yeah, that's what I had on, on the show. I'll check him out. Tell me his name one more time. Uh, Greg Rogers. Gotcha. Yeah, he's uh, offers from uh, pretty much every school at West already. Um, Michigan offered him um, actually this week too. Um, Stanford, UCLA, UCLA is really big on them. They they free, they were the first offer for Power Five. UNLV is big, of course, as you know from Las Vegas. But um, yeah, pretty much every school at West and Michigan. I think, like I said, offered him and um, gosh, there's a couple. Uh, Texas, I think, offered him too. You said he's not even old. He's only he's only a junior. He's not even a senior yet. So <laughs> he's wow. Yeah, I mean, when you're a junior in recruiting, man, that's pretty much your senior year, in a sense, as far as offers. Um, once once summer camp hits, uh, or in the fall, or excuse me, not fall, spring, and summer camp hit, you know, it's pretty much most kids make up their mind uh, before their senior season, but you know, they flip. Their kids, you know, they flip a lot. <laughs> it happens. Mm-hmm. You know, we the quarterback last night for Baylor flipped. He was uh, Aaron Sinnon was supposed to go to Texas Tech, so you know it happens, especially quarterbacks, because you know there's only one quarterback that can play at a time. <laughs> That's just what I was about to say. It has to be harder for them because you really, I mean, if you look at the depth chart, especially and all the coaching moves, you really gotta you know be confident that you can jump in there and be ready. Yeah, you do, man. I've I actually I've looked at a depth chart with with the kids before. Uh, he didn't really have too much guidance as far as family knowing about football and stuff like that. So, you know, I had to look through with them. And uh, that's, yeah, that's how it goes. You know, you just, you got to fit in your right system. Um, you got to be comfortable with your quarterback and OC and quarterback coach and OC and uh, head coach. And you want to play, you know, a lot of these kids want to play right now. Um, it's not like it was in the old days. So, <laughs> you know, everybody gets redshirted and you wait. So, um Everybody wants their shot, you know. You gotta, gotta compete yeah, still. right away. But if a guy can come in and play like Josh Rosen has, whoo. that's yeah. <laughs> this class is, is something different. This is the fifteen class of quarterbacks. So they were, uh, I mean, they were all not all of them are ready, but I mean, there's a lot of great. Ones. You know, it was rare. I think that people are going to expect that from next year's class, too, but it's not going to be that way. Um, you probably want to see a few of those quarterbacks get a chance to start because um, there's not as good as uh, this year's. Yeah, and when I, you told me about it, you were so confident that he'd be the guy. So did, did Jim Moore just kind of play his last card there and say, hey, you come here, we'll start you right away? Or was it like, oh, yeah. maybe it can be. Yeah, yeah. he just – yeah, he told his family he was going to start at quarterback. That was a part of the deal. I kept telling – you know, people don't – I guess, I don't know. My opinion's not good enough. But <laughs> some people were saying New Heisel and Ashante Willard. I was like, man, he's not – he'd have to do some crazy stuff to not start. You know what I mean? Um, this guy convinced of him uh, two years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, he was the yeah. best quarterback in the country, you know? So, uh, you know, this year – Gosh, I mean, Stedham's got the chance to play last night. Kyler Murray's starting. Uh, all types of guys. I mean, I'm missing so many more freshmen, true freshmen that are getting started. But uh, Drew Locke, you know, because Manny Mock situation off the field. So, like, everybody. 
a lot of these guys. Blake Barnett's the only one, really, that was a top guy that hasn't got to play yet. But, you know, obviously, they have a lot of quarterbacks on Alabama. So, uh, yeah, man, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's fun to see those uh, true freshmen start. <clears throat> Excuse me, at quarterback. Uh, well, I mean, so good. You go back to to Stidham. I mean, I know he originally committed to Texas Tech, but I mean, the guy from Stephenville. I mean, yeah. I mean, no, yeah. our our Bryles is going to get anybody from Stephenville <laughs> if that's where he wants. <laughs> if he truly right. wants. That's right. true. I mean, yeah, he, you know, he, our, him and him I mean, um. Kendall, his brother, do a good job, obviously, at um, getting kids to see. Jared just really, you know, it worked out for Jared, to be honest, because Patrick Mahomes is playing so well, too. Um, he would have got redshirted, probably, anyway, because uh, they have Davis Webb still on the roster, so they probably got redshirted. Um, but Baylor had a, a number two spot open, so it, it was a kind of blessing, basically. I mean, Stevensville, um, I mean, that's where Art Ryle coached. The current coach there was a player for Art Bryles in high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, when, when Art Bryles showed up, it was over. I mean, that, that was – I mean, Art Bryles is going to get most of the guys, most of the kids from Stephenville. I mean, it's – Yeah, like I said, it's – Like, like – yeah, it's his home base. The quarterback thing in high school, it's a lot of stuff that goes into it, man. A lot of people didn't think Patrick Mahomes would even be on the roster. We thought he'd be playing baseball. He got drafted really high um, by the Royals. His dad was a baseball so, player. Yeah, his so. dad was, was great. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, a lot of people thought he was, uh, you know, going to – same with Kyler Murray. A lot of people, was, uh, people thought he was into the draft, uh, you know, because he, he was a number one ranked uh, second baseman in the country as far as high school. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, he was all, all American. He was a uh, player of the year in both, actually. Um, I'm still, I, I'm, I'm still surprised that Tyler Murphy didn't end up playing baseball. Yeah, he's number one. He's great, man. I mean, he's great. Most, most of the time, when you know, dual sport athletes like that, I mean, they end up playing baseball, which is, yep. you know, it, it just. Because you can play right away, you're going to get paid. I mean, so yeah, yeah there's always. And Colin Murphy would have been. He would have been. Had he had he given the you know impression to team that he was signable, he would have been a top two or three player pick. Mm-hmm. May have been the top player pick. I think the top player pick was a shortstop from Vanderbilt. So, so I mean, he may have yeah. been the top player pick. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. could have been, man, definitely. I mean, he could play short. He played both in, infield positions and he could the opposite speed. Um, yeah, I mean, so he, he definitely would have been. Uh, the Cubs still have him, um, I guess, but <laughs> they still drafted him. But, you know, we'll see about that. He's, he, I know he's small, so a lot of people thought he should play baseball instead. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good uh, quarterbacks. Jacob Eason's another one that's a really good baseball player. He's obviously going to play football. But he, if he wanted to, he could easily play uh, for Georgia's baseball team, easily. I mean, most of the top quarterbacks play another sport. Um, hmm. I know yeah. a lot of quarterbacks now just kind of stick to one, but it's still pretty – 
you know, they, they still have to play two sports. Maybe not three anymore, but still two. Yeah, it brings up an interesting thought on specialization, right? You know, a lot of people think you should stay in one sport. I think I've told this story before. I'm growing up, one of the one of the people that I knew, one of the teachers I had, was actually a high school teammate of Joe Montana's and swears that Joe Montana in high school was better at baseball and basketball than he was at football. Wow. Baseball yeah, well, and basketball than he was at football. Yep. Wow. Yep. Wow. Montana's old awesome. father. Yeah, Montana's <laughs> old father. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. thought that he was going to end up taking the Clemson offer to play basketball. Wow. You know, so. Wow. And that you remember that this whole specialization thing. I mean, being a quarterback, and I, I started reading Feldman's book, but oh, being it's a, a great. Yeah, it is a great book. It's a great yeah. book. Uh, but the 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 whole it's now a full time job thing. basically being treated as a full time job. Even high school kids who now have started quarterbacking basically all year round thanks to seven on seven, you know, and uh, working out with private coaches and blah blah blah. Now the elite eleven thing. And uh, the Elite 11 section alone in that book is fascinating to me. Uh, Donovan, I guess you can speak to this. They're still, those kids still come from very different places. I mean, you have kids who are are multiple, multiple sports stars and don't have special private coaches. And, you know, they, they're just, you know, they're football players who happen to play quarterback as opposed to being quarterbacks in the same sense that, uh, you know, these, some of these sort of Bud and Peyton Manning types, these, you know, baby Josh, these Josh Rosen sort of baby Manning types, whatever. So let's look at the quarterback situation at these conferences we're talking about, uh, both the established, you know, guys, the guys who've been there for a while, and of course, obviously the up-and-comers, the Pac-12 still seems to have, I guess, top-to-bottom conference-wise, still seems to have the edge over every other conference in the country, I guess, in terms of quarterback situation across its entire width and breadth. But uh, tell me a little bit about sort of the, the, the way that you see quarterback recruiting. Like, is it different from the way other positions tend to shake out recruitment-wise? Oh, and then, yeah. and then, yeah. and then, talk about the Pac-12 in terms of their quarterback situation now and in the future. Yeah, I mean, so the first question you asked, yeah, it's it's, di- it's different. I mean, me and Montoya were just talking about um, that position that I've talked to quarterbacks about, and they're really particular. They have to kind of keep up with everything, like little stuff, like you, were, like Patrick Mahomes was saying, is he going to go to the draft? Is he going to stay? Who's going to transfer? You know, who's not going to transfer? Uh, coaching situation, offensive coordinator, quarterback coach. Are they going to leave? They're going to be there. Everything you got to look into it. Um, like in different positions, you only get one. You know, uh, barely anybody has two quarterbacks. Uh, you just want to play yourself, and uh, it's a pretty big deal. Like I said, a lot of those guys do play other sports as well. They usually stick with football. You really have like an Archie Bradley, who was the number two quarterback in the country, who chose to not play for Oklahoma. They chose to 
you know, be the number one overall pick on the Diamondbacks, and now he's a, you know, all-star type pitcher. But, yeah, it's totally different um, for, for the quarterbacks. And uh, the recruiting out west, yeah, the depth of the quarterbacks is just ridiculous. I and mean, there's a bunch of guys uh, that are backups that end up transferring usually that uh, are just four-star guys, sometimes even five-star uh, guys. Ricky Town just transferred already, you know, to Arkansas because uh, just competition. There's a lot of quarterbacks um, on those rosters. Some of should transfer to the right school if he's afraid of quarterback competition. Exactly, yeah. I mean, some of those teams out west, uh, some of the teams have three and four legit quarterbacks, like top flight, you know, blue chip prospect guys. And a lot, not, not a lot of schools have that. Um, SEC obviously does, but does a pretty good job. But it's different. Um, the West Coast kids always have a little bit head up. Most of the camps are out there. You know, um, the weather is always it's better than everywhere else in the country. So they get throw the ball in those, in those camps and, and look really good, and they start early. Um, though I know you're always talking about, you know, the Orange County coaches, like Bob Johnson or whoever. Um, you know, those guys started early. That's where it started, you know. So that's where it's going to end pretty much. It's, you know, the West Coast, Orange County, L.A. kids, or San Diego, whatever the case may be, uh, I mean, if you want to look, even look at the Elite 11 quarterbacks that, that have been there, like you said, uh, a good, they do a really good job at uh, doing sub-regions and getting everybody from across the country. But uh, for the most part, it's West Coast kids. Um, whether it was, you know, Costello this year and, and, and Jacob Easton, Lily Henry, um, you know, the, those guys are, are West Coast kids. Uh, and before that, even Blake Barnett or Josh Rosen, like you said before, Ricky Town, Travis Waller. Brady White, all West Coast quarterbacks, um, mostly from California or maybe Washington. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a pretty big deal. Quarter, quarterback counts out there is a really big deal, um, definitely more than anybody else, anywhere else except maybe the South. But those kids in the South have to come out West. It's the thing, you know, you got to come out West for quarterback camps. You're going to be taken serious to me, you know, from, from doing recruiting. So, uh, and the second question I believe you asked is the quarterbacks in the Pac-12. Um they're, I mean, yeah, they're good. <laughs> they're definitely, uh, you know, some of the best in the country. Uh, the the situations for every team are definitely different. I, I would look at Arizona State first and say, okay, they they are starting a first-year senior quarterback. Um, they're obviously going to have another quarterback battle next year. They, they, they're gonna, that's rare that a senior starts first year and he's just gone like that. Uh, they're going to have a battle. You know, we don't know who's going to be a quarterback. Brady White is a guy that's going to have a good chance. Manny Wilkins. He's going to have a good chance. Uh, they moved Colton Gerhard, Toby Gerhard's brother, to safety. So he's not going to be an option anymore. But they have two kids coming in this year's class as well. So whoever starts is going to be a young quarterback, and Todd Graham's going to really get his guy. Uh, I mean, just saying his guy because, you know, Bergevici wasn't really his guy. Taylor Kelly was there before he got there. Um, so this will be his first time, like his baby, I guess you could say, his young quarterback. They can kind of mold and start Arizona. You know, they got a new Solomon. He's young. He'll be there. Uh, the USC situation is Max Brown, pretty much. Um, Sam Darnell is his backup. Stanford's got KJ Costello coming in. Um, they got Keller Chris right now, uh, nephew of Paul, son of Jeet, uh, or uh, from, for the 49ers. So he looks pretty good. He's obviously really intelligent because of his, uh, his uh, uncle and his dad uh, being off in the coordinators, head coach, and stuff like that. He's been around football his whole life. So, I mean, Oregon's got kind of a mess a little bit, but I mean, they got some good young guys. But um, 
they've just got a lot of quarterbacks. They're all really young, either freshmen or true freshmen, or they got two guys coming in next year. Uh, the best to me, I mean, quarterback situation, obviously UCLA, because <laughs> um, they got a young guy for at least two more years that is already one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. Um, so they're they're looking pretty good. Uh, I say Arizona's got new Solomon. He's he's pretty solid quarterback. And uh, Washington's got Jake Brown. I mean, he's playing a lot better um, towards the end of the season. He's starting to heat up a little bit. Then obviously Cal's situation's good with Ross Bowers backing up. Uh, Chase Forrest and Ross Bowers backing up Jared Goff. And if they can keep Goff for one more year, I mean, that'd be awesome, of course, to be out, excuse me, legendary. I stepped on attack. That kind of hurt. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, they they've got a good good deal. Utah too. Um, I wouldn't count on Utah's quarterback situation. Travis Wilson's been there forever, but uh, Chase Hansen is going to be a really good quarterback. He's kind of a quarterback in waiting. He went on his more remission. Uh, he's back. He's actually playing safety right now, <laughs> and they just he was an athlete coming out of high school, and uh, he's gotten a lot bigger. Um, you know, he went on more mission for two years. He's kind of a totally different person. He was six one, two hundred pounds. He's six three, two twenty five now. So um, he's playing like linebacker safety a little bit, strong safety, and he's gonna play quarterback though. He's a backup quarterback too, um, behind Kendall Thompson, Travis Wilson. So uh, I mean, it's looking good. I mean, they just get so many quarterbacks in that conference. Or Luke Falk, man. I mean, a lot of people love Luke Falk. He's kind of a hot name um, around you know, Pac-12 people in his draft circle, I guess, people like him, too. I know he's eligible. I'm sure he won't come out. But uh, Luke Falk's really good quarterback as well um, up there in Pullman to, to half for the next two years, too, for Mike Leach. So it looks good out, out west for quarterback. Um, I don't know. Oh, Colorado, they've got a good quarterback. Um, Cifo, yeah, he, he's good, too. Can't, can't, can't leave him out of the discussion. Uh, or any, I don't think I left out any other schools in Colorado. But, yeah, you know, they got a, they got a good one. I'll work. I'll work. So we touched on future in talking about coaching, and obviously there are some self-fulfilling prophecies uh, when it comes to future because Saban's a, a good example. We know that despite the fact that he's essentially at the pinnacle as a coach, at least, at the, you know, obviously the collegiate level. We also know that apparently, you know, according to reports, he's made it clear that he'll, he'll listen if somebody's got an offer, somebody's, whether it be college and, you know, in the case of Texas last year or a couple of years ago, and even the NFL, uh, you know, which – makes a certain amount of sense. I think, you know, he may still have something to prove, I don't know, to himself or to others about whether or not he can he can coach at that level. But the future when it comes to coaches in conferences seems to be like a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy. When it feels like things are going well and, you know, you're getting good, you know, the recruiting's going well, and you're even if you're not winning now, but the feeling is that winning is coming and there's people willing to invest time and let the coach establish their way of doing things and who they, who they need to win, things like that, you tend to, you know, stability tends to breed a certain amount of future success, even if you, you don't have it right out of the box. 
when you bring in a new coach. And obviously people love it when you bring in somebody and boom, you know, all magic on a map, you win more games. And sometimes that happens, but it doesn't always work out that way. And coaches do like to go to places where there's an established record of not firing coaches right away. I mean, you, obviously you can't get this job unless it's open. So it's only open if somebody, you know, quits or retires or is fired or whatever. But but I've noticed now that is something that coaches pay more attention to, particularly because it happens more, way more than it used to. There's more incidents um, or whatever where, I mean, but from the Puff Daddy situation at UCLA, uh, sometimes the parent isn't, you know, obnoxious or, or uh, uh, you know, violent. They just are super involved, which is not a bad thing necessarily. But when it comes to quarterbacks particularly, and I won't mention, you know, some of the quarterbacks will leap to mind, some of them have parents who are hyper-involved <laughs> in a way that isn't always no, you're right. I mean, uh, Brian Brown or well, I mean, Taylor Martinez's dad, uh, very involved. Colin uh, <laughs> Murray's dad was, was pretty yeah. involved. Shea, Shea Patterson's dad. Uh, sure. I know he, he's not there yet, but he is very, very involved. I mean, Shea Patterson's been to three different high schools. Malik Henry's staying with his parents. They're very, he's in a four different high schools. So, I mean, <laughs> they are involved. They want, they, it starts there, man. I mean, it, it's even, the transfer stuff even starting to happen in high school. You know, they want their kid to succeed, you know, and education should come first, of course, but <laughs> sometimes it's kind of put on the back burner a little bit, um, especially with all the, you know, national games now and stuff like that and schools across the country where they kind of, they're a little bit more loose for letting kids transfer. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, – Parents are a big deal. I mean, I always have to – I usually have to talk to parents 80% of the time. But, and they're definitely involved. I mean, a lot, some of them just know the basics, but some of them, uh, especially people's fathers, because they know football. You know what I mean? They, they've watched it. They know the coaches. They know the name. They know somebody's on the hot seat. A lot of the players don't know that stuff sometimes. Um, they're just going off of their coaches, uh, whether it be their position coaches in high school, their head coach, or their parents, their dad. With their dad, so it's uh, you, you gotta look out for your kid. I understand that, but some parents are definitely too involved, and it honestly is usually quarterback. It's the really it's pretty much always the quarter. It's pretty much always the quarterback. When you hear about the story of the parent, I mean, we yeah, have you, seen it. And you and you contrast that though to the, I mean, to the. I, I'll go back to the story of Peyton Manning's recruitment. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, Archie was. Militant, militantly hands off. That yep. it was Peyton's decision because he had he was the one that was going to have to live with. It. So I mean, that you know, Archie basically told Peyton, you know, make the decision and I'll be happy with whatever you decide. And uh, you know, and Peyton decided, you know, from the from the recruiting, Peyton Manning basically fell in love with David Cutler, and so. And David Cutcliffe is a great coach. I mean, Frank, Frank, Frank Bingmer said, and it may be true, that the job that David Cutcliffe is doing right now at Duke might be the best job in NCAA history. They were 6-45 before he came there. 
the I was going to say it's it's up there. It's up there. It's on the it's on a very short list of of what I've seen done. I mean, and no offense to all the great coaches who've come into you know situations where there be great situations. You know, Saban rides in, and you know, the Alabama hasn't been great, but all the infrastructure's there. Uh, people talk about Miami. You know, it's a brand name job in terms of the sizzle, but it's the stake there, the facilities, the half empty stadium, you know, if on a good day and things like that. Uh, obviously, I don't know if it's a record number. I, it's a record number as long as I can remember for the number of jobs that are open at the two thirds mark of the season. It's up to what, 12? The 12 now jobs that are out there? We're talking about basically 10% of the SBS jobs are now open, and it's just barely November. I mean, this isn't isn't even firing season yet. We're still about a month away from what's the traditional firing season. No, we haven't had that day after Thanksgiving where, you know, you're eating with your family and then you get that text or call where you're just, might as well stay home, eat that leftover turkey, because uh, <laughs> you, know, you don't have a job anymore. So, I mean, because that's really like, as from a recruiting aspect, I mean, those, the kids, they, you know, the 2017, I'll say class, most of the 2016 are already committed. But even them, you know, they haven't signed anything yet. That's where it starts getting tricky, because their season's almost over. Now they can start paying attention. They don't have to listen to mom and pops or, uh, you know, coach anymore. It's just them, and they're looking at it like, okay, you know, coach on the hot seat, you know, will he be there in two years, you know what I mean? Uh, or will his coordinator be there? Is he leaving? So, I think uh, it's funny that, that uh, Cutcliffe was mentioned because I think about Steve, because uh, I'm surprised he hasn't gotten a bigger quarterback yet since he's coached, you know, Mannings and Duke's done a, such a good job. I know it's hard to get in Duke, I understand that, but I mean, still, they haven't really had that. I mean, it makes it even more special, I guess, with what he's doing because his classes haven't been uh, too great for him to be winning so many games, to be honest. And I, I, and I never assumed, I never figured Duke's classes would be great, but I figured he'd get at least a four-star quarterback by now, and he hasn't. So, I mean, Sirk is the best quarterback he's had as far as recruiting. And, I mean, I haven't really watched much of him. I know he's not that bad, but uh, – Still, though, it's kind of surprising to me that he hasn't gotten a bigger name to get in there yet. I don't know what it is, really. Duke's camp is beautiful. It's Duke. You can watch the best basketball team in the country, too. So, I mean, I don't know what it is. I mean. And, you know, it's, it's the coach that when Peyton Manning was hurt, the guy he went to was David Cutcliffe. So, yep. To, re- to relearn how to throw the ball. So, yeah, if I'm a quarterback, a young quarterback, I want to play for it because I, I can start probably pretty soon. There's really not anybody to battle. And uh, I'm with Coach Cutcliffe. You know, I'm in, I'm in a big conference. I'm going to play on TV still. I know it's not a, a primetime school, but I can kind of well, put that team on the map. Um, you're going to be screwed out of wins, though. Oh, second touchdown. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, Wake Forest has got a quarterback, so I was surprised that they didn't go to Duke, um, a four-star. It's Wake Forest. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, whatever he's doing doesn't really matter. It's working. So <laughs> I can't yeah. really say anything bad. Wake Forest is always surprising because Wake Forest only has, like, what, 100 people that go there? Like, how many people go to Wake Forest? Not many. Well, what, 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 was it, the, what was it? Five reversible errors in a nine-minute review? <laughs> It was, yeah. it was something like that. I think it was nine or four. <laughs> they counted four. That's it. They confirmed four. But there was others. Yeah. So, but it's Duke. So who cares? Miami won. <laughs> As it should be. Right. Oh, Bill, you're kind of a robo bill. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was saying, is Miami still a job that coaches should want? I mean, obviously, well, I should say coaches should want, but I mean, if you're a big time. Two, there's two schools. Well, there's two schools of thought. Uh, two okay. schools of thought on this. One is with Donovan, which is like, oh, of course they are. Miami to you. And then Pete Smith actually made a, a pretty convincing argument to me at least that here you have a program that has almost maybe unrealistic expectations because of past success. Right. And similar to like the Auburn, you know, where Auburn always wants to view themselves as Alabama, but let's be honest, guys, they're Auburn. So they're I mean, the program. It's not yeah. just like the last success at Miami was like ancient history. I mean, Ed, Ed Reeves was there in the 2000s. I mean, the 2003 Canes are one of the greatest teams ever put together. And that's yep. 12 years ago. Yep. <laughs> We're not talking about ancient history. That is the best recruiting base in the country. You can go 20 yep. miles and get and stock your teams with five with five star recruits. You just gotta go to yep. twenty miles and convince them to stay. <laughs> I mean you're yeah. not like you are not like on Butch Jones. You don't need a jet to go do your recruiting. You can get in a car. You can do what you can do what Howard Stellenberger did. Get in a car and drive. <laughs> and convince you barely you, can, you barely need a car. You could do it with a bicycle. <laughs> I don't know if you want to be driving a bicycle around some of those places if you're, you know, just some head coach guy, Over you know. to Liberty City. <laughs> but, uh, not, the, not the best neighborhoods, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> it was amazing there. I mean, they it, – it's it's some of the best in the country. I mean, you can go toe-to-toe with any city. Uh, Miami's yeah. got it. Fort Lauderdale got it, you know, and uh, Florida's got it in general, from Jacksonville to Miami. So, Well, it, it's funny. We just talked about Duke and, and Coach Cutcliffe. There's cognitive dissonance between the football personality that Miami used to have, at least, as a program, and the real personality of Miami, Miami before this whole U thing happened in Stellenberger was much more like Duke. 
in both substance as well as style uh, than it was like the U as we now know it as a school and as a football program, quite frankly. And, I mean, I don't think Cutcliffe's going to end up there, but I think it might take somebody like this to to adapt to the new normal at the University of Miami. They have gotten much more strict about keeping in place their academic uh, requirements, which that was the whole thing when Tad Foot and, and Butch Davis going round and round, you know, uh, Snellenberger was able to get people to play ball, and obviously Erickson uh, was able to get people to play ball. Uh, but it was, less, it was less so, not as much with Coker and with uh, with Butch Davis. They both ran into more pushback in terms of, hey, we couldn't help but notice this kid is a D minus student or whatever. He got, you know, whatever it was, you know. On, Oh, on these various test scores and things like that, you know, Hayes gets a partial qualifier and all this stuff. Now they want to go back in these they all of them, but I mean, you know, the, the fan base, which isn't necessarily the alumni, that's the other thing. That yeah, Miami that's a big does. part of it. Right. The other thing Miami has in common with places like Notre Dame is that there's a lot of people in South Florida whose connection to Miami football is Miami football. They didn't go to the school. They didn't, you know, they were alumni. They, they couldn't have gotten in, in fact, but, or many of them, but they attached to the program, especially during the good years. Because they were the youth. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it, you know, Bill, this is like, uh, a little quick story for you and you and Steve. I know you guys are a tad bit older than me. So, as a kid, I talked to you, 2000, 2000, uh, he was born in 1999. Um, that was really far away. I mean, that, he was four years old, 2003. <laughs> you know, he uh, he watched a right. lot of the uh, documentaries that Billy, Billy uh, Coburn, I believe, Coburn, yeah, did for, you know, 30 for 30s and stuff like that. And, you know, obviously a lot of NFL Hall of Fame or players are in the, you know, the Miami guys. They're the U. That's how he knows them. I asked him if he actually had a watch the Miami game. Um, he said ESPN Classic was the only one he saw, uh, you know, the Jimmy wow. Shock. The, the, I mean, it's it's weird. Like, you don't think wow. about it in that aspect because we're older. You know, even I remember watching Miami. I mean, I'm not that much older than the kid, but he was born in 99. You know, so he doesn't remember the lobster. <laughs> of that school, you know, um, at all, really. He's seen Miami be bad. I mean, they were, they're not horrible, but you see them be average, basically, you know what I mean? So um, that was a pretty big deal to me is just that a lot of these kids' mentalities these days is just like now. You know, if it didn't happen in the past five years, then it just didn't happen. It was right. old. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know if it's ever been like that for a generation, but I feel like for this one, talking to young young guys, if it is, um, more so. Some I'm not saying they're all like that, but um, some of them are. I think he's 2018 class, and he's getting recruited by Miami. And you know, he was just said he was in, he was in awe of watching old tape. They showed him old tape of, of Ray Lewis or Ed Reed or Shockey or whoever. Um, I was like, well, have you not seen those guys before? He's like, no, not really, man. I was born in '99. I mean, do you expect <laughs> to watch? <laughs> wow. <You know? laughs> 
course I didn't see him. I did see him, but I didn't really understand what was going on. Just some guys out there playing football with me. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying. You have this reputation for essentially being a quasi-NFL team where essentially if you don't get into too much trouble and you do the vast majority of your schoolwork, we'll make sure that you get to stay and play football. That was, I mean, I'm not taking shots, but, I mean, Jimmy Johnson wasn't one of those guys that constantly has chest poked, up, poked out about graduation rates. That wasn't Jimmy Johnson's thing he hung his hat on. You know, he wasn't leading with that. That wasn't at the top he, of his resume. He, he, he once said, he once said he, he, if you want me to have a team of choir boys, I can do that, but don't fire me for going three and eight. <laughs> You know, he, he was. Yep. I mean, uh, but I, I I will say the players that if you if you listen to the players that that Jimmy Johnson had in Miami, they love Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> I mean, they they talk about Jimmy Johnson like you know he was the first father figure that they ever had. They just, yep. I mean, they love Jimmy Johnson. And so, and, 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 and I would draft him to be part of my process, you know, if I were, if I were in Miami, you know, I, I, I don't know how you, how you don't reach out to Snellenberger, how you don't reach out to Jimmy Johnson, how you don't reach out to, heck, even Erickson, you know, well, say, are we sure that they haven't done that? Because. They probably have, and he's just like, nah, I'm, I'm cool, you know, deep sea fishing well, and hanging well, out. No, not I'm, to, I'm retired. Not, not, the, not the coach, but just to, hey, we've got this short list, you know, or whatever it is. Tell us who are the guys here that you think would be a good fit for our program. You know our program. You know, you know our culture. You know our kids and who, where we're recruiting and who we're recruiting. And, of course, a lot of people point to Butch Davis who started wanting to become a national recruiter, right? It was, it was in the Butch Davis era that he started getting the, uh, the Jeremy Shockeys and, the, you know, these kids from Oklahoma, these kids from California, these kids from uh, wherever the heck, right? Yeah, I remember the, the story about how they stole uh... – Excuse me, Ken Dorsey from uh, yep, Ken Dorsey. Every school out west, pretty much. I mean, right. UCLA, I think, was at one point the place where he was slated to go. Yeah, he had a verbal there, and uh, he went on one trip to Miami. Never, never changed his mind again. Hurricane. Yep. And that shows but, you. I mean, people talk about the the facilities were worse then. They're not great now, but I mean the facilities were terrible in those right. days. But isn't it like the opposite effect now, where everybody's stealing the Miami talent? So it is yeah. now, yes, yeah. yeah, it is. Because that's, 
I mean, they could have had Teddy Bridgewater, right? They could have had Teddy Bridgewater, Amari Cooper throwing touchdown. <laughs> you know, Miami, and uh, mm-hmm. that didn't happen. Javante Freeman, he could have went to Miami. Nope, went to Florida State. So, I, I, a little bit of it is like, sure, it's Miami, but there's more competition now. Like, there's more people fighting for. There was competition the then. I mean, the, the really the, the story of the story of Miami was Howard Schnellenberger convincing Melvin Bratton to come to Miami. Melvin Bratton and Alonzo Highsmith to come to Miami, and then basically they convinced everybody else. So <laughs> that, that's kind of what you have to do in Miami. Their their recruiting mm-hmm. base is kind of weirder than everybody. They, like those kids stick together for the most part. They usually want to stick together. Um, Wanted to rather now. I guess it's changed a tad bit, but a lot of those Florida kids still want to fit together more so than LA kids or Detroit kids or whoever. They like being together. They grew up together. Like they grew up together. Um, they they most of them don't don't have a father figure. You know that those are their brothers. You know, um, you know somebody had a, a dad that was their dad too, basically. You know, because I mean, I just just to be honest, a lot of them have father figures. Their mom's at home working all the time. That's the kind of kids they were getting. Um, and still kind of get, but not as much anymore. So Blake James has just changed the everything, you know, that led there. He doesn't want to reach out to Jimmy Johnson, you know, or Bush Davis, really, because that's not as old Miami stuff. Um, I don't think he wants to even go that route. That's so what I heard. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but I heard he's just it's over. You know, that, that those, those those days are done. You know, that's why he hired Al Golden. They're tenth, I think, in academics out of all the schools. And um, FBS, which is super duper high from when they had Dennis Erickson and was Davidson all those guys. Um, I was surprised that number was that high, ninety-two point eight percent graduation rate. But they wow. got to start winning more, more. Yeah, I mean that's super high. But it's probably the highest of all the Power Five. Um, that is maybe, I, I think Wayne so was a little higher. Yeah. So you don't think they're recruiting now the the kind of kids that uh, call uh, Jamel Holloway and Frank B- and Brian Bosworth in the middle of the night before the Orange Bowl to tell them they're going to kick their ass? No, <laughs> no, that, they're not. They're not getting the, those those kids, man. They're not. They're it's uh, they're getting a different type of Florida kid to me. Uh, they're getting. Mm-hmm. The private school for the kids. I'll be honest. I mean, they're getting like the IMG St. Thomas Aquinas kids. Then not the whatever school in Miami kid. Uh, whatever school Amari and Teddy would choose that those schools um, in Carroll County. I don't know. I mean, that's just what I think. I mean, from looking at it, from the kids they've gotten, they're good. They're good football players. They need a little bit of that that juice back, that edge back that Steve's talking about. Call players that are, you know, that's cool. Do it. <laughs> I like it. You know, they need a little bit of that to me. I know, I know if Jerome Brown called me in the middle of the night to tell me he was going to kick my ass tomorrow, <laughs> it was uncomfortable. Hmm. Huh. Well, okay, so let's stay with coaching for a while because the coaching carousel is more crowded than normal. And I'll stick with Montel. Not Montel, what's on? Sorry. I'm sorry. They all, they all sound like. I'll stick with um, Donovan for the moment. 
are there any Pac-12 coaches you could see getting poached by some other, you know, sort of outside conference or the NFL? And coaching-wise, what do you think of the total group across the board in the conference? I said the total group is probably about a B uh, if I was grading them. Uh, they're definitely not A plus or, or A anymore, losing Carroll and Harbaugh. Coaches that can leave or get fired. I mean, Todd Graham always could possibly leave because it's Todd Graham. Um, it depends what job's open. Um, David Shaw, probably more for the NFL. I don't think he'd leave Stanford. It's just too easy. Like, he's almost unfireable. Like, he can win six games. He'll be all right. He's not going to be on the hot seat. You know, because I know they lost freaking the Western people. Like, oh, I don't know. No, it's, it's Stanford, man. They got other stuff going on besides the football team. That's not really that important, to be honest. So he's fine up there. Plus, he's recruiting well. Um, even though the academic standards are super high, um, he's doing a good job at that. Um, but he might lose to the NFL. He has an NFL background, too, so it could be a possibility. Other than that, not sure, really. I mean, Kyle Whittingham is always a name, but I think he just wants to be the coach at Utah. He's another guy that's pretty safe, you know, in Salt Lake City. And uh, Mark Helfridge is, like I said, struggling a little bit. But I, I think – I personally think he'll be okay. I think he's fine right now. He's bought himself some time. We give him a couple of years, probably two more years, something like that. I think everybody's pretty much going to stay put. Jim Moore obviously has an NFL background too. Uh, his name is probably going to be, you know, always out there for NFL jobs. But I think uh, for now at least he'll stick around at UCLA. Um, maybe kind of like Harbaugh, you know, he had uh, luck. He tried to he pretty much got the best out of him. I think he'll do the same with Josh uh, Rosen and then maybe leave after that. Um, but, yeah, I think everybody's going to stay put. Um, and the coaching is good. I mean, it's solid. Everybody does their own little thing. Mike Leach, another name that's <laughs> – I never know what Mike Leach is going to do, man. That guy is just his own little bubble of coach <laughs> um, up in Pullman. But like I said, he's, he's, uh, he's on the hot seat anymore. He's doing a good job. They are uh, close to being a ranked team, and they've got pretty good young talent. Uh, it's just really hard to recruit in Pullman. But, I mean, if anybody can do it, I guess Mike Leach would be the guy. So we've got <coughs> – in Pac-12, a couple of, you know, name brand, whatever you want to call it, programs, right? right. That, oh, well, I'll say, I will say Mike McIntyre, he's doing pretty good, actually. Like, he's all, he was pretty close to getting fired, I would say. Like, one more non bowl They went four games. I think if he gets to a bowl game, he's safe. But, like, Colorado's just, ah, like, that. That's it's weird because they were so good, you know? And that's a – Denver has so much talent. But they're just – I think Boise State just had a lot to do with that. You know, like, they kind of kill that region in recruiting. So, like, I don't think Colorado is ever going to be Colorado again. But I think they could at least be a bowl team. We have – Pretty much, uh, you know, Virginia Tech open in the ACC, and then pretty much everything else looking, I guess, set for a while. 
Uh, you've got the SEC where the basically all the schools at the bottom, if they're not in play exactly, they're kind of sort of in play. You've got... Then you've got uh, an increasing buzz around the Gundy name to end up somewhere. Big time school, bigger time school, I guess, or even the NFL. You mean Mike Gundy? Yeah, right, exactly. Right. Former, I should be more former quarterback of Oklahoma yep. State. Yep, from the West City, Oklahoma. And now Correct. head coach of Oklahoma State. Yep. There's more and more buzz around his name to end Favorite up son, somewhere. Mike Gundy. Yes. Favorite leaving, son. Leaving his one and only true home. Maybe. I mean, I, I've heard that a lot. Dom has brought it up a lot. And as much as I kind of get it, I guess, I don't see him leaving Oklahoma State. I don't know. I just think he's one of those guys that's, that's just going to stay there forever. I can, see it. I can see it going either way. I, I, he loves it. He loves it. He, he, I mean, that's his place, man. He's comfortable. That's, that's his spot. You know, he's done a lot of good. He's won a lot of games, man. He's almost at 100. You know, it's crazy to think he's uh, almost at 100. Because uh, that wasn't that great of a program when he took over. But um, he's done a good job. He's, he, I think he definitely wants to get to uh, the game, I guess. I mean, 2011, he was super close. Um, this year, he's pretty close right now. They're undefeated. I think he wants to get to the game, uh, possibly. So kind of has to agree with the – I don't know. Like, he, if he does leave, I mean, I don't know. Kel, his brother, I think, could take it over, and he'll be comfortable with that. Because he legitimately wants to see that program be good. And Kel's a good coach, but um, I know he's a younger guy, but uh, he's a really good coach, too. So if he does leave, I think Kel will probably get the head coaching job. Hello? Oh, I was just saying there are third parties involved in some of these young men's decision-making process. That's all I was pointing out. Montel Hardy, you still with us?
Hello? Do we lose Von yeah, Tell? I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. That's fine. Um, in the Big Ten, you have a lot of civil and a lot of stake. In the coaching ranks, you've got Urban Meyer, who's got, you know, pelts on the wall, plenty. You have Harbaugh, who, though he hasn't done, you know, hasn't been there long, he clearly is the guy. In a way, even more the guy that Urban Meyer is the guy. I mean, from a style and swagger and headline standpoint in the conference. In, in a way, Harbaugh's even more the guy than really anybody because of all the crazy stuff he says and does. And, you know, he's so super into being the coach at Michigan. He's, you know, that's why it'd be so shocking if he left. But I'm not 100% convinced, no matter how many times he says it, that he wouldn't go back to the NFL if the opportunity presents itself. But uh, still, I think he stays obviously for a while. Then we've got some interesting coaching jobs being done, right, at Indiana. Uh, It's a super difficult place to win. No one wins there long. And, of course, you do need to get out, basically, on getting good if you are doing well and there's there's jobs opening up. Uh, You know, we've got Coach Kay Clay's, Terry Tracy Clay's, and you know, sort of auditioning for the job at Minnesota. I hope he gets it. Uh, we've got whoever. Um, <laughs> I mean, New York Illinois is an interesting situation because, I mean, they were once a team that was top ten consistently, uh, beat some really good teams. You know, and the of course, obviously, as you said, ancient history, this prehistory we're talking about, you know, the 80s and 90s to most of these young men. But they were a program, like I said, they were national clear, they were nationally known. Um, they were consistently number two or number three during that era in, in you know, uh, identifying resources and helping. And in addition to, I mean, they did a lot of things there. It was a, a program that had been, you know, sleeping, maybe not giant, but sleeping good stuff uh, under Mike White and, and uh, Makovic and, you know, had, like I said, the quarterback position, as always, so enormously important. They had a lot of good quarterbacks at Illinois between, you know, 1980 and about 1995, and then, you know, sort of dropped off. But the coaching talent, I would say, is slightly above average when you average it all out. And there's some jobs that have the potential to be really good jobs. Like if you if you got it done in Illinois for a while, you you can be the guy, um, at least close to the guy. You know, you can't be Harbaugh, you can't be Meyer, but. You know, there's a there's more big time recruits in the state of in Illinois than there are in probably the next two states. 
in the conference combined in terms of three to five star kids, I'm guessing. You know, Donovan could answer that. Donovan, is that correct? As far as Illinois uh, talent and recruiting, I was yeah. Versus a yeah, Michigan, Ohio, obviously, yeah. Um, I mean, now it makes it a little different. Oh yeah, Ohio, right? Of course, Ohio. I I forgot about Ohio, right? right. (laughs) No, no, no. no, no. Ohio State and Michigan, uh, Penn State, obviously, is there too, and uh, you gotta account for. Nebraska. I know Nebraska's weird because, you know, it's hard to get out there. They don't – that's always a roster that most of those kids are from Nebraska. They're from somewhere else. But, you know, yeah, as far as in-state talent, Illinois has it. I mean, they're, they've dropped off a little bit on town, I feel like. But uh, they're still, you know, in that conference. Yeah, I mean, if you can get a kid from anywhere in Illinois, you'll be fine. It's just that uh, that's, you know, they don't stay there. They go to Notre Dame, Ohio State, or Michigan, Michigan State. That's it. You know, uh, I was actually looking at the top kids from Illinois last year. Illinois only got two of the top 25 in state, which is horrible. They might be one of the worst schools at getting in-state talent. And I hate to say it, Bill, I know you like Illinois. I mean, I like them too. But it's just it's bad, you know, when you only get two of the top kids um, from your state. And they didn't have any five-star kids either. So, you know, I think that was just that one year. They usually have, especially linemen. They do really. Illinois is really a lineman um, on offense and defense. But uh, it's just weird. You know, it's a weird thing. Um, they're fighting with Northern Illinois for kids, and you never thought that would happen. Probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's like I said, the expansion of the conference too. You know, you got Maryland in there now, and uh, Rutgers. Uh, you know, like I said, Penn State's always a school that uh, does a really good job as well. So uh it's it's tough. It, it's hard to recruit there. But it shouldn't it doesn't have to be. It can be a turnaround. You just gotta really get the right guy. And Tim Beckham wasn't that guy, you know, at all. That wasn't the guy you, you know, kids are just oh, I gotta play for him. You know, I, I didn't hear anyone say that. So <laughs> they they can be relevant again, for sure. I mean uh, it just takes a little bit of uh surgeon. I honestly, if I was Illinois, would just get a. I try to get the best recruiter I could. Um, I mean, you want to get a good, solid football coach, but <laughs> I would really try to get the best recruiter I can. I would go that route if I was in, personally. Look what Ron Cook did. You know, it wasn't that long ago. Bill, Jen, you guys there? There he is. There's Montel. Yeah, Montel, can you hear us? No. That, that's that, that's just, Yeah. I don't know. I didn't think we sounded that much like. I guess so. <laughs> so I will repeat the question that I swung it 
uh, Akeem Montel. There are jobs in the Big Ten oh. that used to be. Well, Montel's not here. That used to be perceived as really good jobs. Like I said, you had guys coming from the NFL to coach here in Illinois. You had injury guys. You had all these other guys. And then now their aspirations look more like Duke in terms of administration, resources, uh, support from the actual infrastructure. You're more like Duke than you are like, you know, Notre Dame or USC or Texas or Alabama. And what's the way forward at some of these programs? Um, So Montel, looking at the big 10, you've got Minnesota, which may end up going with Tracy Clays. We'll see. But what do you see as the way forward? What's the future of the coaching face in the Big Ten? Um, what is that for me? Yes, Montel, no. correct. Uh, it's Donovan, but <laughs> oh, I don't know if you got, or... you got our names mixed up, I guess. No, that's fine. No, I, mean, I just thought, I, oh, I thought Montel was back. Okay, forget it. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. no I mean, uh, that con- it, it's a weird conference, like you, you guys said. I mean, it's like very top-heavy. The bottom's bad. I mean, some of those schools... Like Purdue and Indiana, your games are like embarrassing to look at. Stadiums, uh, I know Indiana's like better this year, but it's still like, as far as the money aspect of it, the popularity, it's pretty bad. Um, but I do think, however, coaching wise, they do a pretty good job. I mean, they've got, let's see, I mean, they've got, I mean, they've got good coaches. Pat Fitzgerald is considered one of the best actors in those guys in the country. Um, you know, Paul Chris, I know Montel didn't like him that much, but I think Paul Chris, I mean, he's done a good job, you know, pretty much wherever he's been. Um, a lot of people don't like both of those guys, you know, his brother either. or They're very conservative, uh, laid back, I guess you could almost say, boring <laughs> personality. Uh, their play calling is kind of repetitive, but he's done a good job at Wisconsin. He's really good with quarterbacks. He's done a pretty good job recruiting so far. Mike Riley. Um, is a good coach, and uh, Kirk Ferentz is. I think I think he's probably the most rated coach in the conference. Um, I'm saying that as he's eight and zero, but <laughs> um, I mean he's doing a good job. He's obviously really good with linemen, probably the best in the country. Franklin, Urban, I mean Harbaugh and D'Antoni, those guys are good coaches. Um, but the bottom is just you know Minnesota has their situation. We don't know who's going to be their coach. Uh, Illinois, same. Kyle Flood looks like he's a goner. Randy Ethel's gone. I mean, Hazel and and Wilson are probably not going to be the coach for that long. I don't believe, to be honest. So, very top heavy. But going forward, it's pretty good. I, I think it's really. I think it's better than um, the Big Twelve. Uh, possibly, it's debatable. I think it's better than the Pac Twelve at the top. Um, only conference ahead would be uh, maybe the ACC. SEC. I mean, Jimbo and Dabo and those guys at ACC are really good coaches. And like I said, Coach Cutcliffe as well. Um, SEC obviously is by far the best with their coaches. But yeah, Big Ten's good. They've got good coaches. And I really want to see what James Frank do at Penn State. Um, they, they look pretty good this year. They're 6-2. and two. They have a pretty big game tomorrow. Um, I think he's going to you know, do a pretty good job there uh, at Penn State. I think he can get back to at least winning nine 10 games a year and being that third or fourth team 
maybe even second sometimes, depending on how uh, the seasons go. But, I mean, Ohio State, Michigan. Michigan State's not going anywhere, people. I mean, I, I know a lot of people are kind of sleeping on them still. They don't respect them, but I think they'll check them after this year, after what they'll do. Um, I mean, last year they were, you know, top top bowl game, uh, all types of plays in the NFL. So, uh, Michigan State's going to be there. They're not going anywhere. Uh, you know, Mark Antonio's got to stay there, of course, but uh, they're good. Good team, good conference overall. You've got a little bit of everything, too, with those coaches. I would like to see maybe, like, one more spread coach to be in that conference, like Illinois, maybe. But other than that, um, good. Even I, I, I want to see what Rutgers is going to do, too, because they have a hotbed in Jersey in their backyard. And if they can start keeping some of those players and not losing them to Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State, of course, they've always had trouble recruiting versus them. They can be pretty relevant, too. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Um, and, and now I guess I'll ask you to put your, your Montel Hardy cap back on Montel and go back to the Pac-12. You don't seem to have that same sort of chasm stratification, whatever. I mean, you have some programs being better than others, but you don't seem to have that huge difference in terms of resources and and uh, physical plant and all this stuff that you see in some of the conferences. It seems like the Big Ten's pretty even in terms of those kinds of things. Is that, I'm sorry, the Pac-12 is pretty even in terms of those kinds of things. Is that correct in your mind as well, uh, Donovan? As far as the Pac-12 being even? Is that what you said? In terms of, in terms of, for the most part, in terms of things like resources, uh, you know, uh, the physical plant, the, uh, you know, what you have to offer in terms of the actual stuff that the kid deals with, you know, the weight room, the locker room, the, you know, all that, the, the facilities, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's pretty even in the Pac-12. The only school that's the outsider is always have a – I'm not dissing Washington State, but they just don't have it. Like, their stadium got a little bit upgraded. Um, it's just they don't have they don't have it, man. They don't have it. Uh, Stanford has technology, obviously, at Stanford. They, they're they doing stuff up there that they're so far ahead of other teams. If you watch college game, they, they got the quarterback, you know, thing they're doing. Um, you know, we put the goggles on. You can see being the huddle, basically. They're doing stuff technology-wise that other schools can't do. Oregon's obviously got, you know, um, uh, they call him Mr. Dad or whatever till night <laughs> um, for Nike. They got him. You know, they, they got the uniforms. They got the cool technology, too, and uh, the resources are amazing. And, you know, that Oregon, should, they, they, you know, that's how it can be done. You know, Oregon wasn't that beautiful school and stadium. Um, they are now, though. Cal's great. They've got a pretty soft facility. They put a lot of money into that school lately. Uh, when Jeff Tedford was there, it was kind of lacking, but now it's good for Coach Dice. Um, Washington's always solid. It's Seattle, big, big uh, city, too, so you're good there. Oregon State, eh, kind of down, about close to Pullman. You know, for Corvallis, it's a hard place to get to. They don't have the talent up there. But, you know, they, they've gotten better. Mike Riley did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. They left them, left them pretty well. Um, and then the mm-hmm. South, man, that's where all the money is pretty much. I mean, to me, uh, 
excuse me, two LA schools have everything pretty much they need. Utah's got everything they need. That's a elite weight room. Um, they have Arizona State, Arizona, elite. Colorado, it, Boulder's, you know, that's a pretty, it's not a metro area, but it's, it's big enough. It's close to Denver. We've got some talent there. Um, so, yeah, the Pac-12 is pretty balanced outside of Oregon State and Washington State. And I would say that Arizona is, is an interesting school because uh, small as far as the stadium is as big as everybody else's, but they pretty much pack that place out every night, and they've just gotten so much better with their facilities. We had, I had, think I had Michael Latif on my show that's coming to Arizona. He was telling me, you know, his first visit there, they were under construction. Now everything's pretty much done, and that's a school that if Rich Rod does stick around, uh, he can do a really good job there um, getting kids in because their facilities are so great. And Arizona and Nevada, um, out in the desert, are getting better at football. So like those two states are kind of up and up. So uh, they have a lot going out west for those, for those schools. Um, really interested to see what those two Arizona schools can do and uh, Oregon can uh, sustain their success that they had with Chip or uh, Mark Helford early on. Jim, you there? Yeah, yep. I'm here. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, Jim. I know you live out west. I don't know if you've been to any of those schools or talked to anybody, but, I mean, it's uh, good. It's pretty even. I mean, good. It's, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's good. I mean, you got I mean, two private schools. coaching's gone down a bit, but it's still. Yeah, the coaching's gone down. I admit it to that. Coaching is gone. Facilities, though, and talent. Um, talking about just local talent, good. Uh, like I said, man, it's hard to get into Corvallis and Pullman. That's all I gotta say about that. You can't just like definitely when you hit Southwest Airlines, you don't pick one of those places to fly. You gotta fly somewhere else, you know, uh, to get there. <laughs> so it's kind of harder for them. But like Mike Leach makes up for that because it's Mike Leach. Like Mike Leach gonna let you know off the bat, you know like about him you know pretty much people know about him already because um, people love him or hate him they're kind of known between so <laughs> i mean and then you know uh the oregon state head coach is um uh, i can't think of his name right now jamie probably know you old utah state coach kevin uh is it anderson gary anderson yeah gary anderson uh right he's considered, right, right. He's considered one of the best uh x's and o's guys um, not really known as a recruiter or anything like that. Um, right. He's kind of like Mike Riley almost. Kind of the same. A little bit, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Oregon State's issues have mainly been quarterback-based a little bit because I, – I shouldn't say a little bit. I should say a lot because they got really good wide receivers there. I mean, Jordan Villeman has been doing really well um, this year. And everything else, just their quarterback has been completely erratic um, to the point of losing games, you know, to that point. So, uh, and obviously their defense has gone down a little, a couple notches, but I don't know. I mean, they just need to get a quarterback at Oregon State. If they just figure out a guy that, that can pass the ball without 
causing turnovers, then they'll be a lot better. I think. Yeah, their quarterback is a, I think he's a freshman, a registered freshman. He's a, a running quarterback. I can't think of his name right now, but um, yeah, they missed out on. They had Luke Del Rio. He transferred to Florida. I don't know why. He probably would have been starting if he just waited, but. Um, you know, some people don't like to wait. Well, obviously, Jack Del Rio's son. So I'm talking about Luke. He's pretty good, but they. I mean, I don't know how good he is. He hasn't played in so long, but he probably be. He's more of a pocket quarterback. Probably more what they wanted, but I guess they went with the more athletic guy just because you know he's. You know, that's usually what you do when a team's not that good. He goes to more athletic quarterback because he can run, scramble, maybe make some plays. But yeah, he. Uh, they need to get back. I mean, they've done – they've had – all the quarterbacks they've had, my brother had, uh, were in the NFL. Or some of them still are. Um, but I guess, you know, they could do a little bit better. He did a really good job. I, I did think, though, of, like, he always got a quarterback to – most of those quarterbacks were there for, like, three and four years. You know, Mannion and Derek Anderson and Matt Moore. He's only there for two, but I mean, oh, yeah, you know. they, they were there for, you know, they put in their time. So yeah, yeah, Sean Canfield, you know, Luke. Matt was there for a second, but I mean, yeah, they, you know, they could get that quarterback, um, that that more elite quarterback, the better quarterback play. Because their receivers are really good. They're, I guess they're known for their receivers now and, you know, run, small running backs. <laughs> Storm Woods, is, I don't know if you're a fan of him, but I know a lot of people like him as a running back. But. Oh, yeah, Woods is good. Yeah, he's good. I haven't had a chance to watch Oregon State too much this year. Um, I, I mean, obviously, like, Jordan, uh, what is it, Valamine or Villamine and, and Victor yeah. Miller are great. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's Jordan, Jordan, he's something. I, I don't really know the comparison yet. He's kind of, he's got a little, uh, who's the wide receiver on the Steelers? Tall wide receiver. Um, Martavius Bryant? He's got a little Martavius Bryant to him. Um, I can see that. Tall. You know, he's lengthy. He's not as fast as Bryant, but um, he can get downfield, can make contested passes. The thing that makes me sad about him is that I, I've seen him at times run a perfect slant, and the ball is <laughs> going to, to like, like he's running a perfect slant inside, and the ball is going to his outside shoulder. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, like he's doing everything right, but the quarterback is just making this terrible throw. So it, there's been plays that are like that. I'm like, uh, uh, I feel bad for you because he's doing as much as he can. It's just ball placement and all, all over the place. Yeah, they. I mean, for Gary Anderson, I looked at their roster. I don't know. Their defense is going to lose the guys, but their offense, uh, young. I, I, I highly doubt any of those guys enter early. Um, I know they lose Isaac uh, Ciamalo, the, the right guard of the NFL prospect, but they pretty much have everybody coming back. I mean, I guess Victor Bolden might leave. I would highly recommend him not. But, um, you know, the guy you're just talking about, Jordan Villamine, is only a, a true sophomore. 
So um, they should have him and Bolden back next year, and, uh, you know, their line will be intact. And I don't know. I mean, they, they could they could do some good. I mean, they've been competitive in games. They've gotten blown out too, but it's Oregon State. They, they're they due for one game kind of this year. I mean, I don't know that's their schedule by heart, but they usually always upset every team. So I wouldn't be surprised if they can get it this year. I mean, they're definitely not going to make a bowl game. But uh, they're two and six, man. You know, they're, they're probably the worst team in the conference. They are the worst team in the conference right now. So, you know, I guess the best thing they can do is get the four. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, Washington, too, up there, um, state. Uh, I don't know how you feel about the Cougs, but they are a team that's Hey, I got to give them credit. Just because me personally, I didn't think they were going to be good. I thought Mike Leach was going to get fired, especially since they lost that first game to Cal Poly or whoever it was. (laughs) Yeah, lost to Cal Poly by three. They gave up 45 to them. I mean, as you know, after last year, I figured there's no way. But, um, you know, there's some games left. But he's five and three, man. They're going to probably be in a bowl. They were a couple plays away from being ranked, beating Stanford probably one of, the, one of the biggest games in school history. Uh, they just, I don't know, man. I feel like they, they were gassed at the end of the game <laughs> versus Stanford. I don't know if you had a chance to watch it, but I like them. I mean, they've got some receivers too. You like uh, Dom Williams and uh, River Craycraft and those guys? Yeah, I, I, all those guys are great. I My only issue I've always had with uh, Washington, Mike Leach wide receivers is, I don't know. I, I've been burned before with Mike Leach wide receivers. So it's because uh, they do certain things as well that they don't do everything. Um, but, I mean, I, I like what they're doing there, obviously. And I think that the thing about that program is they've been able to get guys who have been sneaky good that everybody else just kind of, you know, like Xavier Cooper last year was one of the better defensive tackles last year, but he played at Oregon State, not Oregon State, but he played at Washington State, so everybody's like, yeah, he's not that great. When he obviously was pretty good, you know? Yeah, it's um, crazy that people played at Washington that. State. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he went up against uh, everybody, though. I mean, you know, they played in Pac-12. Pac-12 was a lot better last year, obviously, than it was this year, just because mainly Oregon, but I mean, hey, man, I, I love Grisou. He was my favorite uh, center, but he's he, uh, man, he, he did a good job. He was the only time I saw Gersu struggle uh, fully was the whole game uh, with, with Cooper. His name was Cooper. Yeah. Yeah, Cooper outclass. And then Jake Brindle, uh, who's one of my – you know, I always talk about Jake Brindle being one of my favorite centers. Uh, he he played good versus him. He didn't dominate him the whole game or anything, but he played good versus him. So, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, they got talent. I like uh, Joe Dahl at left tackle. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. I think he'll end up being a right tackle, but, I mean – I think he's a. I think he could probably start in the NFL one day, maybe not today. But <laughs> and then Luke Falk is. I don't know about Luke Falk. Yeah, I gotta see more. Like a lot of people like him right now. He's kind of a hot name out west as far as NFL prospects goes. Some people are even mm. saying he could possibly leave next year. He's only a redshirt sophomore, but I mean he's good. He's. He's what they wanted Connor Holiday to be. I feel like like he's better than him. Like he's got a quick, quick way quicker release. Um, he doesn't make crazy, stupid throws <laughs> like Connor Holiday did. He's uh, more he'll check it down. Um, 
I don't know. He's like Connor Holiday's body, but like Graham Harrell. I guess Graham Harrell will be the best quarterback Mike Leach had. So. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Man, he's just so small. Like <laughs> he's only 198 pounds. So well, parents are like vegan, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They got yeah, that's a solid team in Washington State though. I mean that's a little they're like the little team that could, man, I guess. You know, no one's gonna ever take them serious again until they start winning. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I Both mean they teams. might go to the Pac twelve championship and lose and everybody's like, Ha ha, see, told you they suck. So Yeah, they were one game away, man. If they had a one at Stanford game, you could have legitly seen Washington State at the uh Pac twelve title game. I don't think they will now, but um, right. I you know I would love to see a Pac-12 team in the national um, title race. Well, the college football playoff, but I just don't think uh, this is the year that's gonna happen. I think Stanford's gonna end up losing another game, and then that'll take the Pac-12 out. I don't want them to. I mean, Pac-12 pride, of course, but <laughs> I just don't think uh, it's gonna happen. I think they'll end up losing another Dame or Utah. Or they still got to play Cal, too, so. True. Um, that's going to be a fun matchup because the styles are so different. Way different, yeah. Way, yeah, way. That's, I mean, cross-town rivalry, but <laughs> those styles are different. I think that's why Sonny Dykes is going to do a good job because, you know, he's got – it's just easy to play that type of style Style uh, in this conference because that's where the kids play. They play this style. And he's like he's – Pretty much Mike Leach, but, like, with better talent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree there. Yeah, I told his, uh... Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it sucks, though. I mean, some people are saying it's, like, the fourth-best conference now. I'm like, okay, hold on. Mm. I mean, I know the, AC- the ACC. I, I actually like the ACC more than most people. Um... Like, I'm not surprised North Carolina's doing so good, or Duke, or obviously Forest State and Clemson are the best. And then, you know, Miami's kind of falling off, but it's still okay. But, I mean, you know, I I don't know. Big 12, I don't know if the Big 12 is just better than the Pac 12. I can't say that. I mean, yeah, they got three good teams, four. I mean, great to me, teams. to me, the Big 10 yeah. is like, is a conference that I think is like, almost the best, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost there, pretty much. So you have uh, not, you have SEC 1 and Big, Big 10 2, you'd say? Kind of. It's kind of like a 1A, 1B kind of thing, I guess, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I mean. I mean, Ohio State and uh, Michigan State, obviously. Michigan, defense-wise, was amazing. Still, basically, you know, uh, Minnesota is a good football team. Uh, Rutgers has shown some life. Penn State's shown some life. Um, so, it, it's, you know, that's SEC, as much as there's bad teams in the Big Ten, I don't think the bad teams in the Big Ten are any worse than the SEC's bad teams. So, it's kind of like that. Right. Um, third, it's tough because. Like, the Big 12 is great, but it has Kansas. So, nobody's <laughs> worse than Kansas. Yeah, so probably the worst uh, Power 5 team, I guess, in the country. Yeah. By far. They don't have that many teams in it, and that's the thing, too. They don't really have that many teams. 
They have good teams. It's just they don't have that many. Yeah, um, there's was it nine or ten? About nine, yeah. Nine, um, yeah. Yeah, I actually was talking to somebody and they said that the this year the Big Twelve is the second best conference behind the Big Twelve. Um, I mean mm-hmm. behind the SEC. Which I mean I guess that there's I guess the top four they only have one loss between the top four teams. True. So <laughs> a lot of those I guess teams haven't played each other yet, so Exactly. Yeah. Because so, that that's the big that's the big that's the thing they put on all their posters. Is we play everybody every year, so um, you know instead of divisions yeah. and stuff, they're just all one thing. It, but um, it, oh, good, sorry. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. no, I was I was just gonna say if the Pokes if the Pokes uh, out Stillwater can if they consistently play up this and yeah, I mean I could buy them as the second best conference, uh, but like they usually don't play. I don't really. Oklahoma State is like the most mystery team to me. They have the talent, but I don't think I can't really. I'm not buying them. Like I feel bad because like everybody like Gundy, you know. What I mean, it's like they yeah. got Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph is and J W Walsh, you know, pretty pretty solid at one two punch. But I just can't buy. I don't know. I mean, they've got everything, but they don't have it to me. I, there's something I don't know about them. <laughs> I just don't. I can't. Well, they got you know a stud and uh, they got two guys you know Ogba and uh, got the guy uh, Jimmy Dean playing pretty good and they got oh, yeah, Kevin, yeah. Kevin Peterson. I mean they got everything, but I don't know. I just <laughs> I guess I just think Baylor. Well, I think Oklahoma it's better. offensively because can you name the quarterback in Oklahoma State right now? Yeah, yeah. I was saying uh, Mason Rudolph is a guy that him and J W Walsh play together, but I mean Mason Rudolph. He's one of those guys that has it in him. Like he looks like an NFL quarterback, but he right. don't play like one. Because <laughs> I know exactly. a lot of him. I think uh, you know Luke Easterly. He had him on his watch list as far as maybe a breakout right. quarterback. Oh, um, yeah, and I yeah. like Luke. I'm not. I'm not saying Luke's bad. I mean Luke's probably one of the best on draft Twitter. But I mean he he was saying that uh, it wasn't just Luke too. It was just amusing that name. Mason Rudolph was six four two fifteen. He runs pretty well. You know, he's a big, tall, white guy. Um, <laughs> but he just doesn't uh, – his mechanics are bad. He's kind of like David Webb, almost. Kind of similar. Yeah. And then J.W. Walsh is just, you know, fast. That's it. <laughs> doesn't really ever throw. So, yeah, their quarterback plays in bad. And their running backs aren't – oh, man, if they had that kid that, that got suspended, though, now I could probably buy them because that's a whole different aspect. Uh, Tyreek Hill. Um, oh yeah. I mean that kid was a game, it literally a game changer. One, Oklahoma game last year. <laughs> you know, what I mean he. You know, I thought he was going to be really good. Um, he still can be, but you know, obviously got kicked out of school. So. Yeah. Oh, well, he shouldn't have done what he did. But <laughs> I, I just say it from a lay from a layman's perspective, I guess. Is- if you ask somebody, hey, who's the quarterback at TCU, people go, oh, it's Ravon Boykin. If you were to ask somebody who's the quarterback at Baylor, they'd be like, oh, they'd say like Bryce Taylor, Seth Russell, or whatever. If you were to say, who's who, who's the best player at Oklahoma State, they would be like, uh. Well, yeah, you're right. Naturally, you know, they've had so many quarterbacks, man. I know, they've, they've had, gone through so many. Yeah, like a three three starting quarterbacks on other or were at Oklahoma State at one point, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> and they're still playing two quarterbacks. 
what, Joe yeah. Joe Hubenak or Jake Hubenak at A&M, and then, like, Wes Lunt, and then they got some other guy, I can't remember his name, um, playing at Sam Houston or something like that. But, yeah, it's, <laughs> you're right. I mean, I guess I thought Mason Rudolph was going to be pretty good, too, and he just hasn't been bad. Hasn't been, been, hasn't been bad. It hasn't been, oh, my gosh, I want Mason Rudolph all over me. Like, it hasn't been like that. So, it's, yeah, it's that perspective, I guess. Yeah, any reason you think why he has it? I don't know what your take on Mason Rudolph. I mean, I like him, but he reminds me a lot of, uh, I mean, he's he's a little bit different than the quarterbacks they've had there in terms of his, you know, size and stuff. But, um, I don't know. I mean, he's okay, but he just hasn't really been – Blowing me away. Like, it's like, okay, all right, you know, he's solid, but not, like, anything really special. Right. Yeah, he hasn't lived up to the height, for sure. He was, uh, man, he was really good in high school. Um, He went, I think he went to the same high school. Well, he's from South Carolina. He went to Rock Hill, you know, the, the famous one, but he was really good there. He was a four-star, I think, but, yeah, he hasn't lived up to it at all. Definitely not. He, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know his stats or anything about Hart, but he's got some big games left, man. They play. I don't think they're going to be any of those teams. I don't think they're going to be Oklahoma, TCU, or Baylor. Hmm. I mean, I still think that, I don't know. Jared Stidham looks good, so I'll stick with Baylor. I picked Baylor in the beginning. I kind of was going to switch to Oklahoma. Just because Seth Russell, but I mean, if Jared Stidham plays like he did the other night, then they should be fine. He's not going to be scared of big games. I know that. I know a lot of people are just like, he's 19. He's, I'm like, I, Jared Stidham will be fine, I think. I trust him in that aspect. I just didn't think he was ready as far as, you know, reps and everything, but. True. I don't know. Do you like TCU, Baylor, or uh, Oklahoma State to win? Went out. Uh, I I think it's TCU Baylor and flip a coin. Honestly, yeah. Um, Where the, it's played at TCU this year, so right that helps a little. Might, uh, it might not matter a little bit. It might not matter. Yeah, <laughs> might not matter. It's gonna be college game day and the night game, so. I'm sure. I mean, I don't know. It might be. The Big 12 schedule is, like, it's kind of weird. Like, they, <laughs> they schedule the game so early. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody mostly Midwestern teams. But, which I, I, you know, I still like, ah, man, Baylor plays Oklahoma at home. Baylor plays Oklahoma at home. <sighs> like, I'm not, like, they can go, Oklahoma's shown they can go on the road. That's not a problem, but. True. I don't know, man. Baylor is just – I think they're – I don't know. I can't wait to see that game. I don't know. It's just there's so many matches individually. and co- You know, those coaches don't like each other. So, like – Right. <laughs> That's true. Baker just can't make mistakes, man. Like, I feel like that versus that defense, he might make too. Those defenses, like, that defense with Baylor just, you know, they're not great, but they have so many individually, like, good, good talented players. Like, yeah. It's, you, Bill, it's all like – it's kind of like Utah, not as good, but where if you make any mistake at all, it's, it's over, you know. Somebody's going to make a play on the ball, so 
Yeah, he has to definitely be careful. Yeah, I, man, and then Corey Coleman, <laughs> that Sanchez is going to have his, his – that's the game he comes back, so, like, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> you know, because Corey Coleman is obviously destroying people right now. Uh, and Katie Cannon is good, you know, and, and West Penning and all of that, so it's going to be hard. But, I mean, hey, we'll see. I mean, Oklahoma State is definitely – West Virginia still – I mean, you know, obviously they're not – Elite team, but they can still upset somebody. Oh, Kansas definitely. Just, Kansas has to play all three of these teams still, so good luck with that. Like, I don't think they're gonna win a game. <laughs> um, Kansas, Kansas, yeah. Actually, no. Yeah. Texas, West Virginia is done playing. But I don't. Get, you know, what's funny to me, Donovan, is like Kansas has such a decent, you know, basketball team, and yet their football team is so bad. <laughs> Like, I don't get it. Don't get it doesn't it. make sense. I mean, even Indiana, you know, like they at least have got their football program together, you know. Yeah, they might as well be Gonzaga's football team, non-existent. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because if you look at the top schools that are just good at basketball, like they're the worst, mm-hmm. like at football. You know, Kansas, what Duke, what what what, what school did you just say? Uh, Indiana. Yeah, Indiana. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't really think on the top of my head. I mean, some of these basketball teams don't have football school, like on that or whatever. But I mean, yeah, like they're just really bad. UNLV. I mean, is can Kansas beat UNLV right now? I don't know. I. That's a good question. <laughs> I um, honestly would pick UNLV. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> you know, I was trying to, and that's not even like that's not even a Power Five school, you know. So, oh yeah, <laughs> I was reaching on that. I mean, Kansas is the worst Power Five school. They might be the worst SDS. Like, I think they beat Georgia State. Like, I think they beat Georgia State. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they barely beat you know South Dakota. Well, they didn't. They lost to South. I think it was South Dakota State or yeah. one of the South. Yeah, the Jackrabbits at home. <laughs> hmm. Apparently that loss was like the worst, just because like they had so much hype building around with the new coach and staff and all the, the the you know new hype or whatever, and it's just they lost that, and then they haven't found their way since. Obviously, they still yeah. Look at their schedule. They play uh, at Texas, TCU, West Virginia, and Oklahoma State. The only team I think they could upset is West Virginia because they've done it before, but I don't know if they have the personnel to do it. Yeah, West Virginia is banged up right now too, so I don't know. I mean, I would think Kansas would be the best bet just because, like, it's a robbery game maybe. I mean, at home, it doesn't even matter if they're at home anymore. (laughs) But it is a a robbery. The robbery game at home, so maybe. But Kansas State's not that great. I mean, they're okay, but they're really good at being not losing bad, I guess you could say. <laughs> but yeah, it's <sighs> Kansas is the only team without a win, right? In the FBS? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty okay. sure. It's just deep into the season, yeah. Yeah, it's just. Uh... Crazy. 
how bad they are. I mean, that Oklahoma game was just – I mean, I know they weren't going to ever be Oklahoma, but, man, there was that – I think at one point they had um, hanged out past the 50-yard line yet. It was like yeah. a third quarter. <laughs> I mean, Jim, you might apply for that coaching job. It might do better than <laughs> the coaches. <laughs> and then they're still paying Charlie Weiss. Like, it's just a mess, man. Yeah, it would be like, we would never hire you. That's ridiculous. And I'd go, hiring Charlie Weiss is ridiculous. <laughs> hiring yeah, yeah. me is, is not so crazy if you don't think about it very long. I mean, they thought that hire was going to change um, the James Kansas football. Sure. And yeah, really we all know, didn't really do that. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, because, man, I mean, they, 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 they took the money out to pay him. I mean, they, they went in the pocketbooks. He was getting big-time big, big time money. For oh, that. yeah. But didn't work out too well. <laughs> I just think, you know, that Charlie is just not a head coach. He's just better at uh, being a coordinator. That's all it comes down to. I mean, they made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty big mistake. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's a big big, uh, big 12. I don't think – see, I don't know. You guys had a discussion earlier. I don't think Iowa would get in over uh, a undefeated. Baylor, TCU, or I mean, Oklahoma already lost a game, but like, are you telling me Oklahoma's gonna? If Oklahoma beats TCU, Baylor, and Oklahoma State, they're gonna leave them out just because they lost that one game early in the season. What well, did they lost? They lost. Who did they lose to? Oklahoma. Um, forgot who they lost to. Texas. <sighs> they did lose to Texas. I mean, yeah, they lost to Texas. Okay, Ohio State lost to Virginia State last year. We'll call it even. I mean, like, you're going to leave Oklahoma out. The <laughs> uh, college football playoff. I don't think, like, Oklahoma would get – I think that's the team that wouldn't get left out. Like, they might leave Baylor and TCU out, but, like, they're not going to leave Oklahoma out. If they beat three of the top 15 teams in the country over the next five weeks, I mean, how can you do that to Oklahoma? You know, and I think they like, they like Oklahoma. You know, Oklahoma is a, a national yeah. brand. I mean, sure. I. I mean, I. I just don't trust Oklahoma. I think as a team they're good, but I think they got pieces to it that I'm just not a big fan. So. Well, I know you don't like Baker that much, but. <laughs> I know. Well, I don't know how you feel about. See, I like their defense. Like I know. I guess you would say I'm a big fan. Oh yeah, their defense I mean, is I good. Yeah, like Stryker and um, the pretty much the whole line I like. And then I like uh, the secondary. I don't like the way they play, like their coach necessarily, but, I mean, they play as good as they can. They, the, they're they like seven yards away from the receiver already. Like, <laughs> before they, oh, yeah. they just give up a lot of quick passes. But, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. The scenarios are they're too many. I mean, uh, I know one scenario was brought up about um, the winner of the Big 12 versus uh, one loss LSU, and it's just like, I don't know. I mean, LSU probably have to get in. I don't see how LSU can get. I mean, oh, even – I don't know if a two-loss team is going to get in this year. 
Seems Maybe like not. Yeah. Ole Miss would probably be the only two-loss team to get in. Because if Alabama run, runs the table, Ole Miss runs the table, I mean, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, it's just it's lost in areas. Yeah, you're, you're, you're Memphis guys. I don't think they're going to get it. <laughs> oh, with who guys? Memphis, Houston, I don't think either of them are getting in. No. Um, they'll get into a – obviously, one of them has to get into a, a – New Year's Eve Bowl. They got to pick one non-conference school. So. The best bet for Memphis, to me, is if they go undefeated this year, win their New Year's Eve Bowl, and Patty, Patty or not Patty, uh, Paxton Lynch and Fuente stay, they're going to probably be in the top 15, top 10 in the preseason poll. Then, if they go undefeated, they have a chance. But they got to do, they gotta do like, years' worth of work to get a comfortable playoff. <laughs> Yeah, I mean they got a lot of stuff to do, but it's still it's gonna be interesting. I think that there's uh, I I like we said I just don't see an AC, AAC team doing anything, at least getting there because there's gonna be too many people that argue against them, you know. Um. Because of whatever reason, like, oh, their schedule, or oh, they're this, or oh, they're that. And plus, people already don't view them as that great of a conference anyways. I mean, they they were well coached and everything like that, but you, you're just not going to get enough support in one year for everybody to, to pass on, you know, to go for them, so. No, you're right. Not in one year. Maybe, like I said, next. It all has to go right. You got to look at it like that. I mean, I don't even think Paxton Lynch or Fuente will be there, but if they are and they do run the table this year, then it's just their preseason ranking will be so high that they'll have a chance. But other than that, no, you know, not this year. Uh, Just, you know, not enough, basically. Not enough, uh, especially because Ole Miss lost two games, not one. So true. That's another. Um, dude, I'll be interested to see their schedule next year. I don't know if I can find it, but uh, their schedule next year. I want to see who they played on conference proof. That'd be an interesting take on it. Oh yeah. I think I would probably probably play Ole Miss again. No, oh their schedule. Yeah, they they play. Uh, Oh, their schedule's kind of easy. They play at Ole Miss, though. Mm. But they play Kansas and <laughs> Bowling. Well, they play Bowling Green, too. Bowling Green's good. They play Bowling Green, Ole Miss, and uh, they play Tennessee, too. So they play two SEC schools next year. Interesting. Yeah, so that mm. could be something. Southeast Missouri State, I mean, they play them, too. But, yeah, that'd be uh, okay. Well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Tennessee's not great right now, but <laughs> maybe next year. How do you feel about uh, Josh Dobbs, by the way? I'm not talking about, uh, I'm talking about NFL-wise. NFL-wise, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, he's, he's really inconsistent with his accuracy. He's not really good in terms of intermediate. Like, he's all over the place, especially this year. So he might get better, 
you know, going forward. But I was just there's always people going, oh, Josh Dobbs, you know, oh, he's 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 the best quarterback I've seen so far. And I I go to the tape and I'm just like, and and plus he's just way too hot and cold too, because he'll have stretches where he's like hot and he's he's decent, and then he'll have other stretches where he's just sucks for the whole for for two quarters where he can't even he can't even you know sustain a drive because he's just so inaccurate um it's just like especially the oklahoma game you know yeah man the georgia game too he he was it's like they didn't want him to throw (laughs) at all good Um, reason the, the last two games he's played good uh He's he's throwing the ball pretty well. He runs always really good. I don't know. I just I thought I asked you about him because uh, I was looking at uh, one guy on CBS uh, Sports. I, I think it's Rob Rain. Maybe mm-hmm. had him as a pretty high um, prospect for him to not be that good. But I guess you know everybody likes what they like. So <laughs> I think yeah. he had him. I think he had him like. In the fourth, like the third round, yeah, the third, third or fourth, like third, third, fourth, late third, early fourth, which is like, ooh, I know that's not. I mean, it's high for a guy. That yeah, he needs to stay in school, you know. He will. I'm sure yeah. he's really like all academic or something. He's like really into science and stuff like that, so he probably will. <laughs> yeah, I hope he does because he's he's somebody that I just I I get scared. You know, uh, with him because he there's just so, there's stuff he doesn't do that's just scary. So none of these guys need to leave early unless it's like maybe golf or or, or pack some lunch or. Um, yeah. I want golf to go back to school because I want to. I, I honestly I want all of them to go back to school and just say suck it, you know, because <laughs> even even uh even Paxton, even Paxton man, just be like suck it because. Everybody just wants to like a guy and then tear him apart immediately afterwards, and I'm just like, you know, Jesus, you know, like, come on, especially golf, because you have people that are all over the Utah game, and I saw the Utah game. Yeah, he made some mistakes to do this, but his problems weren't any different than what they were before after that game. Yeah, they weren't, and drop two of those picks weren't really his fault. Um, Yeah. I mean, so I yeah, was I just mean, a little surprised that people were so, oh my gosh, uh, type to him, and I'm like, really, yeah, you're yeah. freaking mad at, freaking <laughs> out that much about it. <laughs> I did ask my cousin since he's on the roster about golf leaving. He said he probably was, just a heads up, but um, <laughs> just because I mean, he he told me why. It's just like all his receivers gonna be gone. So hmm. I mean, like he has his five lead receivers will all be gone unless Kenny Lawler stays. Like Kenny Lawler is a junior, but Kenny Lawler is the most, you know, NFL. He's the highest NFL prospect on all the receivers. So he probably isn't gonna leave. So he probably won't stay. Um, and then you know he's just he's considered a top you know pick. So <laughs> obviously that too. But he he likes college a lot. He likes school. He's, he's got a three point seven eight GPA. Like he wants to get his diploma and everything, uh, but I don't know. He, he's, you know, probably not going to be there. I don't know about Paxton Lynch. Yeah. 
I know how that is with the non-power five school quarterbacks. They usually try to just leave just because you know it's hot. They're hot right now, so and they usually don't have a lot coming back. Um, oh, yeah, this is Mrs. De- defense is gonna be back. Their offense not so much, but I, I would say all came back too, man. To be honest, um, yeah, Cal. I mean, golfing with the receivers, but the line will be there. The line's not good at all. So, oh yeah, uh-huh. maybe they'll get better. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I know really those are the only two underclassmen quarterbacks that I've heard about leaving. I mean, there's some other. I mean, you know, Cardell and JT Barrett too, I guess, but. I like JT Barrett. I don't know. I gotta see more of JT Barrett before I say he's an NFL legit prospect. Hmm. I, I really wish I knew how big he was. Like he's big in weight. I don't know how. Like he's listed at six two. I don't really think he's six two. I think he's probably six foot and a half. But right. I can't tell. Can't tell. And Cardell is just like uh, I don't know, man. He's not ready. But uh, he might end up leaving just because, like, <laughs> you know, he can't – they want to be his backup quarterback forever. Sure. So I don't know. We'll see. You know, we Kaya and uh, and Watson are good. They obviously can't go. But Carson Wentz is good. He's a senior, though, so. Underclassman quarterback, though. Not, no, I mean, none of them really should leave. I mean, I'm, there's some names uh, – Trying to think of an underclassman that would even possibly leave. I mean, there's got to be somebody. I could see Josh Dobbs leaving, actually. Or not Josh Dobbs. Um, Pat Pat Patrick uh, Tolles from Kentucky. I could really? see him leaving. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing, man. Because like, Mark Stoops is on the hot seat, and that team's just not good. I guess like not not really like what he wanted him to be, and he's get you know the, a lot of people think that uh, he would be good in the uh, combine, you know, pro day stuff like that. He'd be a name that moved up off a of height. So hmm. I don't know. I don't want him to man. He's got he's completing thirty or fifty three point seven. Percent of his I know, passes. Which is bad. It's horrible. Thir- then again, thirty. If all he wants to do is get NFL camp, it's fine. Go ahead. You know, like that's all you want to do. Because you're not gonna be winning a job doing that. No. And he doesn't need. I mean, his, I think his dad is, or his his grandpa is a U.S. Senate, like or something, hmm. and played. His dad played in the Major League Baseball. I don't think he's hurting for money or anything, but I just I don't know if he'll leave, man. It's kind of like Travis Wilson last year. Like Patty Ice doesn't get along with the offensive coordinator. Travis Wilson didn't get along with his offensive coordinator. Like he flirted with leaving, but he never did. I'm glad Travis mm. Wilson didn't go in NFL because <laughs> he needed that senior year, man. He's gotten a lot better, but he's still not that great. So <laughs> True. I want to like I want to like him so much more than I do. I just can't because he just. <sighs> There's something about him. Like, I don't know. Like, he's an accurate release. Yeah, his release, I think it is. He's like. Well, it's a release, and he doesn't read guys exceptionally well, and his mechanics are kind of iffy. So, yeah. Yeah, this is going to be a weird year. I think it's going to be a lot of senior quarterbacks, which is different. I don't think it'll be a lot of underclassmen. I just can't see. Who the underclassmen are like? I'm not. I'm not feeling who they would be. Basically, what I'm saying. Um, True. 
I mean, I hope that God Chad Kelly doesn't go to the NFL, but I know he's a name that, like, <laughs> he divides the room, I'll say that. But people are, like, oh, the people oh, that think he's good and the people that think he's not even good. Yeah, I mean, because he is, I think he's pretty much on par with that Prescott on almost every category for passing. Mm-hmm. Except he throws a lot of exceptions. And some, I think he's yards wise, he's number one. I think he's at 303. Sure. But, you know, he's, and his touchdown ratio isn't horrible or anything. It's just like, he's not good. I don't know what to say about Chad Curry. He's inaccurate. Like, he makes crazy throws, I think that's why. Like, it's not like he doesn't make the throws, it's just the way he makes the throws. True. Sure. I know you were saying, uh, you pointed out a throw to me when the Alabama game he made. He just kind of threw it up. <laughs> yeah. Like, and he had threw it up, the guy too. caught it. Well, threw it up, it was broken up, and then the guy caught it and then ran for a touchdown. Like, that's not how you draw that up. Yeah, that's an 82-yard pass on a stats and a touchdown that he didn't even really do. That's like going to an <laughs> offensive meeting and going, all right, here's what we're going to do, guys. I'm going to throw the ball at the fullback's head. It's going to pop off his head. And then you catch it and then run it in for the touchdown. All right, break. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> throw the ball and pops off his head and he ends up with it. How do you know it's going to go in that direction? Just trust me. It will. Yeah, it's like, okay. All right. I wouldn't I'll be surprised if Chad Kelly left. I don't have the inside information. It's just like, it's Chad Kelly. Well, there's you always going to be somebody that leaves early that shouldn't. So. Yeah, I just wonder well, who not? those guys are going to be, honestly. Uh, yeah, that's this what I'm year. trying to figure out. That's what I was trying to figure out. What court, I mean, Dobbs. Especially at other positions, because, like, there's a lot of defensive tackles that I like that are not even draft eligible. You know, they're sophomore. Like, I really like the LSU defensive tackle player. I think he's, like, a sophomore. Um, right. But, yeah, he's a true sophomore, so he can't yeah. declare, obviously. No. Yeah, the other positions are always – like, when those guys leave early, I don't – like, I always don't feel as bad almost, especially, like, the mm-hmm. running backs. But, like, quarterback always like, man, you should have stayed, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, for the most part, like, I usually say that. Some, some situations I, I understand, like, Brett Humley's. Like, I understand him leaving. Like, I mean, he didn't think he was going to draft in the fifth round, you know what I mean? Plus, Rosen was coming in. But uh, some quarterback's going to do it. <laughs> Whether it's Patrick Tolles or, or Jack Kelly, Jack Kelly, like you know, obviously the uncle Jim Kelly, but like so he was, he just he's made a lot of bad decisions already in life. So I don't right. throw his name in there as far as like you know fighting guys in the military at bars and stuff. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's all I could think of really is underclass and quarterback. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of underclass in that league though, especially wide receiver and like defensive line. But quarterback, I can't really see any outside of the Ohio State guys and maybe uh, Kentucky's quarterback. About it, unless there's like a power, non-power five quarterback I'm missing. That hmm. I don't really know any non-power five quarterbacks that are that are elite. Um, just depends. It also depends on you know when coaches leave. It's like you know there's 12 coaches that left. Do you know there's going to be some? There's going to be a bunch of players from those schools that are going to be like, I'm out. I want to go somewhere else. 
you know. I don't care. Sure. I'll transfer down. Yeah, yeah. You know. Good point. Good point. Um, Brissett's a senior, right? Yeah, he's a senior. Yeah, he's a senior. Okay, I'm going to say him, but, yeah, he's, he's a senior already. Yeah, there's going to be coaching carousel for sure. That's a given. So, we'll see. Uh, yeah, man, I mean, they're even uh, – what's, what's the guy's name? They're just a movie, but, well, Clemson, I'm, I'm interested. they got a lot of guys that are young, too. Uh, and not at quarterback, obviously, Watson's going to be there, but they got a lot of young guys that might leave. Um, if they don't, they're going to be so good this year. <laughs> like, McKenzie Alexander and Shaq Walton, I'm just going to assume we're gone. But those guys stay, man, like, they're going to be good. And Mike Williams, too, uh, I don't know if he's going to – well, I don't really know his situation with his neck, but he was a good receiver. For oh, time. yeah. Yeah, they're loaded. Yeah, man, well, tomorrow, enjoy tomorrow because it's going to be fun. <laughs> oh, like, oh, yeah. Um, we're going to – we're gonna, this is like it's like they set this week up on purpose for the college football playoffs to come out. Pretty much, <laughs> it's like uh, college football playoffs, and let's stir up some controversy, <laughs> you know, type of thing. Because they did this last year where they had like a, the top four teams, and two of the top four were going up against each other the same week. I forgot which teams it, which teams it was, but. Um, like, it's basically they they showed you the rankings, and you're like, well, that's not going to stay that way because, you know, if LSU beats Alabama, then LSU stays and Alabama drops, right? And if Alabama beats LSU, then LSU drops and Alabama stays where it's at, right? So kind of like that in a way. But yeah, I'm, man. It, it's, I know you do pick. Who would you pick for between the big games? I know you said LSU. Um, I said LSU. LSU. Yeah, Florida State or Clemson? Uh, I think I'd pick Clemson, yeah. Okay. Uh, who is Sean McGuire playing or Everett Golden? I don't know. I'm not sure. I I haven't really been keeping track of that because, honestly, I don't care. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. uh, I, not that I don't, like, care, care, but, like, it's like Sean McGuire, Everett Golson, uh, uh, you know, is it really war? Is it really bad if Golson starting or McGuire starts over Golson? I I don't know. It seemed like it was there, a hot take on um, the show with Joey Galloway and Danny Cannell, um, mm-hmm. College Football Live, I guess, because they were. I mean, basically, well, I mean, Galloway was saying to go with Golson, and Cannell was like, well, Sean McGuire beat Clemson last year, so I mean, sure, but. Like, yeah, but that was a weird – everybody saw that Clemson game. You know? Yeah, Sean McGuire like didn't play that good. I mean, playing that well. <laughs> he made, like, two throws. Two throws. Like, and, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and plus Florida State, after watching the spring ball game, their best quarterback was suspended, you know, for the punching, you know, the girl at the bar. So, um, I <laughs> – I'm just saying, like their best quarterback, their most talented quarterback, is not available. So oh, Darby, Dar- Darby, right? Um, DeAndre, I think. Or no, maybe it's Darby. I'm not 100 sure. I thought it was Ronald Darby you're talking about. No, it, it's a uh, well, that's the or PJ Williams. 
No, 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 no. Oh, quarterback, no. quarterback. The quarter, quarterback, yeah, quarter. Oh. Quarterback. Remember so Florida he State? The, he went, yeah, he went to the bar or whatever, and then uh, apparently she might have said racial slur or something, and then he punched her, and then that oh, was Oh, yeah, DeAndre uh, something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. True, I remember but that. But when I saw him, he was actually more talented than both. More talented than McGuire and more talented than the other guy. So I was kind of like, oh, and they lost their best quarterback. And then when you heard all the stuff about um, their running back, you know, Cook, and uh, you going, oh, now they're going to lose their best running back. <laughs> so it's like two for one type of thing. Of course, they got yeah. Cook back, but of course he's injured, but, you know. Yeah, he's going to be uh, important, obviously, tomorrow. There are, that other kid they have, though, Man, he looked good. Uh, the freshman can't think of his name right now. Um, uh, I don't know you mean how. The big how guy? I, yeah, yeah. I mean, man, I know there's so many names in Korea. I just forget some of them. But uh, he's a true freshman. He's really good uh, running back too. But yeah, dude, Cook is healthy. I yeah, I, I gotta go with Clemson. Um, I mean, what is this game at? It's at home. Is this at Clemson? Yeah, it's at Clemson. So yeah. Yeah, man, it's hard. Hey, James Winston ain't walking through that door. You know, oh, yeah. That. So, uh, I, I mean, know McGuire the thing is, is like, year, the team that beat Clemson was a team that had a quarterback that tested them. You know, that's because that's what James Winston did. He went into Death Valley, and he's like, I ain't afraid of your, your defense, you know, taking shots down the field, making some of those throws. So, now you don't have yeah. that. So. I'd rather have Everett because, I mean, he's just more experienced and he's been in the, the, the biggest stage already, you know. But um, he can make plays on his feet, which I think that's what Joe Gallo was saying, that, you know, he can extend the play for the athletics. Uh, I mean, Clemson yeah. and Florida State athletes are about the same, though. I don't think he's going to make that much. Pretty play, much. But, uh, I mean, yeah. the thing about so. Clemson is they're going to bring they're gonna bring the blitz uh, heavy. So you have to be prepared for that. I don't know. I don't really know if McGuire. I mean, if you're if you're a quarterback that's finally starting, you know, like of course he started before, but like if you're basically coming off the bench to start, Clemson's not the best game for that to happen, you know. No, like and it's not a good game. It's not, and and as bad as Florida State's line was last year, I don't think that this line is much better. You know, mm-hmm. um, they they have more penalties. Like they've yeah. they've gotten a lot of penalties this year for State. That's like their only bugaboo besides quarterback. I mean, Golden's playing okay. I mean, he doesn't he never turns the ball over, but he doesn't really do much. But uh, I mean, McGuire is just like I watched that game again because they showed it. McGuire threw like he pretty much threw to uh, the running back, mm-hmm. um, Cook, and then I guess Carl Williams and um, his roommate, which was Nick O'Leary. That's the only people he ever threw to. So it was running back, tight end, check down. <laughs> he made those two throws, like I said, in the fourth quarter. Um, the one where he got blasted, uh, I forgot who it was by. He got drilled so hard he made a throw. I was like, okay. I mean, McGuire wasn't bad in high school. It's not like he's a scrub. But, <laughs> you know, he's not going to go 23 of 30 or anything like that either. So he started off 0 for 9 last year in that first True. quarter. First two quarters. Jimbo just did a really good job at, like, disguising things. But, yeah, I think Clemson will win. And, I mean, 
Notre Dame, you, you got them winning versus Pitt. Mm. I'm sure, I mean, that Pitt's uh, not going to beat Notre Dame, even though it's home game. I mean, kind of. <laughs> that that Phil, it's not really going to be a home game. I don't, uh, tomorrow's weird. I mean, I think Penn State might upset Northwestern. I'm probably wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Like Arkansas could be Mississippi or Ole Miss, maybe. I'm trying to look at the, the, the TCU, Oklahoma State. You got TCU, right? Um, TCU, Oklahoma State. Yeah, I got TCU. But big or kind of close? Uh, you know, I got them winning. Yeah, TCU style will probably be close for a little while, though. <sighs> I'm tired. I I can't pick against TCU, man. I, I gotta go. I gotta go there. Kind of what you said. I just don't think uh, TCU's defense isn't great at all, but Oklahoma State offense isn't either. So I don't think they'll be able to really uh, throw the ball too well. Sure. I'm trying to look at possible upsets. I know the the I guess the the upset that's trendy is Indiana over Iowa. Indiana over that's Iowa. What everyone's picking. I don't know about that. Um, may, mainly because the defense of Iowa played really well, and I don't really trust the uh, quarterback situation. Yeah, that's what's hurt right now. Um, yeah, I think he's playing. So a lot of people are picking Cincinnati to beat Houston too, because uh, Gunner Kill Gunner Kill played perfect, <laughs> pretty much the last two weeks, like literally perfect. He only had like two incompletions. He seems like he's back, but uh, I don't know. They play bad teams, so I don't. Ah, I, I, I gotta go Houston over Cincinnati. I think it's. A, I don't know. Actually, you know what? I might go Cincinnati. Hmm. I might go Cincinnati over Houston, mate. I just think. I mean, Alex Brown would hate me for this because um, he just messaged me. It was like, you know, he's on the staff with Houston. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you guys look good, man. Let's look good in my undefeated, possibly. But I don't know. I just think uh, Cincinnati seems like they're kind of like they healthy right now, and maybe they find the groove, but I'm not sure that's going to be uh, Nebraska, uh, yeah. Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Michigan State. Yeah. Maybe Memphis. Maybe. No, Navy upset? No, no, no. Uh, I I said... uh, Oh, maybe, uh, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, it's... uh, Kenny Reynolds is great, but I don't know. I don't think that's enough. You know, there's a game that's, that's... Washington's favorite over Utah. Hmm. By two and a half. Which Washington? Is, yeah. Like, the, Chris Las Peterson, Vegas Washington? Hates, Las Vegas hates Utah. Like, Utah, well, I mean, I know Utah lost USC, but USC was a favorite hmm. in that game. <laughs> like, they were three point favorites. And then Washington's a favorite by two and a half over Utah. Over Utah? And, yeah, interesting. So, I guess that's a legit upset pick that everyone has. 
Washington. Hmm. That, Jake Browning's playing really good right now. I'll say that. I mean, not huh. really good, but he's playing better than he was <laughs> at first. Makes I, sense. I still, I still have to pick Utah. Just uh, Washington. Booker, man. Too much Booker. Mm. I know. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. You got one team that has had issues scoring and another team that has no issues scoring with Devontae Booker and yeah. a defense that's really good. So, I don't know. I don't know about that, man. Yeah, they're two-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, mm-hmm. Vegas knows some we don't, I guess. <laughs> what, did Washington, what did Washington do? Like, did they get well, better they beat, all of a sudden? Who they beat? They beat uh, – they won two games. They beat SC they beat and they USC. beat uh, so they beat Oregon, right? Or did they yeah. Lose so what? They beat USC and Oregon, <laughs> so that's probably why. Oregon's <laughs> down. USC's yeah, yeah. down. Like, if that's true, I need to put some money on that game. That's what I need to do. You need that. I, found, I always find one game a week where the line's, like, just really weird to me. And I'm like, okay. Because Iowa is Indiana's Indiana's two point underdog, so you could go that if you trust Iowa, too. Yeah. If you trust them to win by more than two points, <laughs> it's, it's Iowa. Iowa's been playing. I mean, they're not exciting, but they their defense is excellent. Their offense isn't much better than it was under Ruddock, but it's still good. Right. So. I'm like, taking. L- I wouldn't bet on LSU Alabama, but I mean. I wouldn't bet on that's the more like my biggest issues is that Alabama dominated LSU's front last year and it may not be the same story this year of course but I mean they were able to you know cause disruption push push the line around and really force Fournette to really not have much of room to run um Hundred percent. He still was able to do some stuff, but of course it wasn't as as effective as he could have been. And then of course they won again. So like this year, I I'm just banking on you know LSU being a little bit smarter, I guess, in terms of their game plan to 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 throw a little bit more, you know, make make some more plays down, you know, through the air and mix in the run effectively. But I don't know. I mean, that's the only game I wouldn't bet on because it's just. So I'm so uncertain about it. Even though I'm picking LSU, I still yeah. don't feel good about it, you know. Yeah, I'm picking LSU. Alabama's seven point favorite, but I mean, it was kind of more than I thought it was going to be. But I mean, they're at home, I guess, and I don't know. I mean, Kogi's playing a little bit better. I think Kogi's going to struggle versus that secondary and, and fast. They don't really need to blitz too much, and they don't blitz as much now, anyway. With with a new DC, their DC is from Alabama too. Kevin Steele. Which might be a pretty big deal, um, you know. They they got the linebacker coach from Alabama, so he might know a little bit um, about that that defense. But yeah, I, I gotta go LSU. I mean, I I'm just riding with LSU till I die, till they lose. Because I mean, that was the team I picked to. Um, <laughs> I picked them to win the national championship, so I, I'm not gonna leave now. True. Now, a lot of people laugh at me for picking them. <laughs> I mean, you might still laugh at me. But <laughs> I don't know. I just – I always thought Brandon Harris was going to end up being pretty good. And, I mean, I know he's not the greatest quarterback or anything, but, I mean, I'd take him over Coker. 
Because, I mean, he played good versus Florida. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. He, I mean, he played well. Uh, it's just that he didn't even do it against Alabama. Um, but, yeah, the question. <laughs> Nick Saban, man, the primetime games are good. Calvin Ridley's playing good, too. I'm gonna they figure stuff to... out, man. I mean, it's it's weird because, you know, all the spready teams that embarrass them in bowl games, none of them are from the SEC. You know, everything he plays in the SEC, he kind of figures them out. But when he goes up against a Big 12 team or, you know, some other team out of conference that has, that has a spread kind of style, he struggles against those teams. So it's kind of weird. Yeah, I didn't notice that. It was a little weird. Um, that's why I thought Texas A&M was going to play them good because they're still kind of like a big 12-team in a sense. So, you know, it just didn't work out <laughs> the way the way it should have or the way I wanted it to. <laughs> but, you know, Alabama did a good job versus them. I mean, I think that, you know, if you, if you watch some of the old Miss Tate, I mean, I know they got lucky, but can, can LSU do some of those things? Yeah, you know. Can Harris make throws like that? He can get outside the pocket like Chad Kelly does, and he has a big arm too like Chad, so I think he can make some throws. Yeah, True, but needed. are you going to see Brandon Harris throwing for 300 yards? No, 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 no. Not, not going to happen. What I, the hardest thing about it is are you going to see Fournette go for 150? Because um, that's what he does. You know, he's Mr. 150. But I, apparently, I found out the stat today, Alabama under Nick Saban has only given up 150 yards three times. So, <laughs> I mean, he's been there for like seven years, at least, it seems like. So, I don't know, man. I mean, Leonard might not get 150. Um, but I think Harris can run a little bit. I think he's going to – and then their other running back's pretty good, too. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, really, a lot of it depends on the Alabama receivers versus LSU secondary because, I mean, Alabama receivers aren't great to me. I mean, I like Calvin Ridley, but, hey, Tredavious White is apparently the first-round pick. So, I mean, <laughs> that's what the people are saying. I, I want to see him play. That's the player I'm looking forward to seeing the most, actually, is Tredavious White. Because every ball has him as a first-round pick, pretty much. So, I mean, I've seen him. It's not like I've never seen him play or anything, but. I just want to see, you know, it's a big game, man. Game of the week. <laughs> Under the light. I always want to see the players play their best in these type of games. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, USC, Arizona, that's going to be. I hope USC beats Arizona, man. Like, I mean, I really do. Like, I'm always scared to play teams like this because we look good now. You know, people are patting us on the back. It's a home. It's homecoming. But they can't lose this game. <laughs> Especially Arizona just got destroyed. Oh, that's who Washington beat. Uh, they beat Arizona 49-3 to uh, three last week. 48-3. to three. They, they actually lost to Oregon. Uh, they, lost by, they lost by 10 to Oregon. But they beat Arizona and USC. So I guess that's, you know, it makes them good now. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, I hope Arizona can – I like the way we're playing, man. I hope we keep running the football. I love USC running the football. I'm so happy. Well, that's the thing that I'm happy about the most is just how they're running the football. Yeah. 
And then Ju- Juju's on a cast right now. Like, he's going to play, but, I mean, he probably, I don't know how good he's going to be, so he probably need to run the ball. Yeah, I heard about that. I think you need to just yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing, man, is, like, if you – my feeling is, like, if you're out of contention and stuff like that, then don't risk the health of your guys, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, if you pretty much know you're going to be in a bowl game, you know, it's like with Deshaun Watson last year, right? Like, they were pretty much out of national championship contingent. So – there was really no reason to risk the health of Watson at that point, you know. They almost killed that kid last year. <laughs> he took up, he took some flack for that too. But uh, yeah, I can't understand him, but I guess because Watson already had a little bit of a meniscus problem in high school anyway, so he got banged up. But yeah, I mean, Cole Stout was bad, so you had to play him, I guess. But uh. Yeah, I mean, Juju, he doesn't need to play, man. I mean, it's not like they don't have other receivers. I mean, obviously, it's the best one, but they run the football. Oh, Trey Madden, Ronald Jones, Justin Davis, run, 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 run. <laughs> run some more. That line's big, too. Really big line. I'm actually interested to see if the U.S. is going to lose any underclass players early in the draft. Besides, too, I mean, I don't think he's going to stay, but other than that, I mean, you think Zach Banner's going to leave? Maybe. I, you know, it depends on what he wants to do. So, uh, he may stay another year, but obviously you lose start. So, I don't know. What's the feeling about that, too? Are, are mostly USC guys like, yeah, I'm staying even though Stark is gone, or is it sort of like some guys are like, no, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do something else. Most of the guys are waiting on, on the word for Clay Helton. They want to play for Clay. They want to play with him. Um, I mean, Zach Banner was really close to Coach Stark because um, he recruited him at Washington a lot, too, um, and everything. But I think most of the, if, if Clay Helton gets the job, I think most of the kids will stay. If not, they're going to leave. You're going to start seeing names like Banner leave and Sue will be out for sure, and they'll probably – have a couple kids transfer and stuff like that. So that's the word for me. I mean, this depends how the season goes, man. It's up in the year. I mean, this team could still go to the Pac-12 title. They may be the Rose Bowl team. You know, I don't think that's going to happen. But all they need is Utah to lose another game and for them to win out, and then they'll be in the Pac-12 title. So who knows, man? I mean, hopefully that happens for for me. <laughs> The schedule isn't, like, brutal. I mean, they could easily lose all the games. They can win them. They play Oregon, Arizona, uh, UCLA, and uh, Colorado. So, I mean, they're winnable games. They'll probably be favored in all except UCLA. <clears throat> all the UCLA games, so. I'd love to see them win out, but we'll see, man. I want Clay Elton to get the job. So we won't have to lose so many players. <laughs> I think I don't think that this team is like that far away from the national title. I really don't. Like I think they're closer to that than not making a bowl game. So I don't think you need to change that much. You know, I mean, you can Coach Sark had his problems, but I think that you can ride Clay at least for the next couple more years. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I, mean, I hope oh. so. 
Well, um, I guess since uh, Bill is, uh, I don't know. Yeah, dead and gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Montel, oh. uh, sorry, Donovan, uh, if you could tell the viewers or listeners uh, where they can find it, all your work is. <laughs> yeah, um, find my work at uh, rcnreport.com. I put out my draft. Uh, yeah, I was about to check that out. I thought I was about to read it, and then the Raiders just started. I'm like, ah, I'll read it later. Yeah. Oh, I gave you guys Jason Spriggs to spoil your reading, so you probably like that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I figured you might like that one. But, no, I think he's a really good player. But, no, yeah, I um I put that out, and, uh, you know, my high school football rankings are out every week. My show is on NGSC uh, Sports. Uh, high school football. The Don Dennis, uh High School Football Football Report. Um, gosh, our rivals dot com um social media right now. So if you see some tweets <laughs> tomorrow, it might be me, might not. You'll never know, I guess. But <laughs> I'm doing social media internships there, scouting internships there. Um in the spring, so yeah, look out for that stuff. And actually, um we have my high school football rankings out too. Um for running backs, uh Al and that's it right now. I'm waiting. Like I'm just enjoying football, you know, letting it play out, and then I'll come out with my my, my things, my rankings, and such. That's pretty much it. <laughs> I don't know what time the show tomorrow is. Um, I don't know either. I think. Let me check. Uh, I think he said something. Uh, eleven a a m Eastern time. So. Early. <laughs> yeah, well, early. I watch game day every morning, um, especially when I was going to go out and enjoy my Friday night. Like tonight, I stayed in. So <laughs> I usually wake up early enough to watch game day, um, which you got to watch this game day, right? You bad oh, yeah, you got to watch you know. this game day. Got to <laughs> find out about Jacob Coker's life, you know, how he's going to be. He traveled from team to team, backing up Jameis Winston. And he made his way <laughs> to Alabama. Yeah, they're doing I, – I don't know, man. It's really tough losing get. out. Uh, you know, I'm a team first person, so I took it that way last year. But I'm just happy to finally get my opportunity. And That's he took advantage of that opportunity very, very much so right now. Um, Rinaldi. I mean, you're making fun of that, but, I mean, that's probably what he's going to say because I know they're doing a story on Coker. And, I mean yeah. – yeah, that's probably what's going on. <laughs> I mean, apparently he doesn't, like, I don't know, like, you know, he, he lost the battle. Well, he used to handle adversity, I guess, you know, I mean, a little bit, but, you know, there's well, people that are in the like, eyes of Donald Trump, he's a loser. He's always going to yeah. be a loser. <laughs> right? Yeah, he is. No, he you know, he's, um, he has a big week, man. I I do, I don't, I wish Shane was on the show. He'd probably tell you. He goes to the practice yeah. and he's an end down there, but apparently... I'm scared when people say this because you know what happened with Driscoll last year, but apparently Jacob Coker had his best week of practice ever uh, in Alabama uniform. I know that's what they're saying, man, and he really – I don't know, man. I feel like – I guess people in Alabama are saying that it's finally like his team. Save some of that practice for the game, man. It's finally finally his team, but there's no battles with Cooper or, or whoever, Alec Morris or whoever anymore. And this is kind of like his game, like because it's at home. He's from Alabama. 
Um, Aiden McCarron's going to be there. It's like his best friend. So, I mean, like, I don't know. They're just really high. It's OSU, you know what I mean? So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Well. Best week of practice ever, man. You know, you know how that is. <laughs> <laughs> James loves to hear um, that. I, <laughs> uh, you're wasting your talents at practice is what you're doing. <laughs> All the magic disappears. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I, you know, I don't know. I've never been the biggest poker fan, but, you know, whatever. Um, but, yeah, with me, of course, I'm James Cober. You can follow my stuff, NFL Spin Zone, Fan Sighted, and uh, at draftcoburn.wordpress.com, my blog. Haven't updated it in a while because I've been busy with other stuff, but I'll definitely have some stuff up there. And especially once the season ends, I'll be posting more definitive stuff, getting like work done with certain projects. So, and uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at uh, jmcoburn1, and also you know Bill Carroll. You can find him at bc or b carroll one three eight, and he also writes for uh, I think fans. Fan speak and or one of those type of things, but anyways, uh, also like to thank Steve Morton for coming on the show, uh, Montel Hardy uh, for jumping on as well, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow morning, I guess. So um, on uh, the uh, CBS radio show. So, anyways, guys, uh, good night and uh, good luck.
What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.